Hey, I'm Clayton. And I'm Sean, and we're men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies, and we love talking about movies. And after a lot of urging, we started a podcast. So we're getting real into spooky season, Clayton. Um, what did you pick out for us to watch this week? So uh, this week, I picked something. This is really is almost a listener request, uh, except he doesn't usually listen. But my ex-boyfriend and best friend in the entire world, Mitchell, loves Coraline um, to the extent like watching it almost every single night before bed. Like, I don't know how you could do that because I find this terrifying. <laughs> I'd have nightmares. But um, I love Coraline and I told him he would cover it. I love this movie. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I loved this movie for years, and I think it's super creepy. I love the colors; it's gorgeous. I just really love it. I got to see it on the big screen in 4K a few months ago, and that was amazing because it just was wonderful. Loved it. Ten out of ten experience. And uh, so, thought we'd talk about that today. And we have a very special guest, my favorite person on Twitter. So funny. Sean Travers, all the way from Ireland. Thank you for coming. Hi, thank you for inviting me on this podcast. I'm a big fan. So what's your relationship with Coraline? Why did you choose it? Oh, I saw it in the cinema when it was first released, and I saw it in 3D, and it was one of the few mainstream 3D movies that actually looked good in 3D. That's kind of hard <laughs> to get. And... And I got the DVD afterwards and that came with 3D glasses as well. So it was that around that time that 3D TV, the home experience, was trying to become a thing. And then it, it didn't and it never really catched on. But um, I always thought that Coraline was um, probably one of the best examples of that. And the animation in Coraline is amazing as well. And you get that kind of rare Henry Selleck stop motion feature film. You only get The Nightmare Before Christmas in this. You don't get... Um, a huge selection of uh, that kind of movie anymore, especially now. And when movies are marketed towards specific individuals, like movies for adults, movies for kids, whereas this is kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Absolutely. Every time I see a stop motion film, I just feel exhausted because they seem like yeah. so much work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the studio that does it, Leica, like they put out videos of them doing it and it's like, it's t like a five minute video for them, like doing one scene, but it's like so stop motion that, you know, like, you know, like it's so sped up. You're just like this for them to do five, you know, like a two minute scene, it would take an entire day. Like, oh, I would probably think even longer than that. It might even longer. Like it's I it, stop motion is such a brilliant, a brilliant medium. And thankfully, Leica is keeping it alive. Yeah, I love stop motion. It's beautiful. I mean, your mileage on Mad God may vary. Like, I don't want to experience that again, but it was super cool. It looks good as well. It doesn't look overly polished or resembles AI in any way. Yeah. So, Sean, my Sean, there's so many Seans, recorded with a Sean yesterday. <laughs> it's just uh, Sean with an H. What's your relationship with Coraline? I was kind of startled over something you told me right before we got on. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a relationship with Coraline, to be honest. Um, I did not see this movie. I saw the, this movie for the first time about four years ago. And I remember thinking it was beautiful, um, but it felt a little disjointed to me. And 
this was my second time watch for the podcast and i enjoyed it way more so i don't know if just like four years ago sean was an idiot which is a, a very real possibility um <laughs> <laughs> you were you were an idiot it's okay I, still i am proud of it um but yeah i just it's i didn't have a lot of a relationship with Coraline, and also i'm not a huge dakota fanning fan so just having to listen to her for two hours just didn't sound like my favorite thing in the world um i know that's she was like america's sweetheart but give me a break um, i also i'm not a huge fan of dakota i love l but dakota i'm generally just kind of uh. yeah i just I, I she was never my favorite like i will i will go to bat for you know l fanning any day um but honestly dakota's done some stuff now that i'm, I'm a little bit more appreciative of um, I just, I don't know. It just felt like every movie, if you needed a child in trouble, it was Dakota Fanning. And <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> she had a niche, she had a, she had a niche and she stuck to it well. So I gotta, I gotta give her props for it, but it just, I was never a huge fan of her. So I, it was not something that I, that was really on my radar. And then I had a, I think it was a, actually, I think it was Halloween time a few, about four years ago. Might've been five actually, but um, a friend of mine was like, we're going to watch Coraline. And I was like, oh, I've never seen it. And they were like, what? <laughs> They're like, this is like perfectly up your alley. And I was like, eh, okay, I'll give it a try. And, I, and like I said, I remember watching it and we can get into, I can go into why I found it a little disjointed later. But I just, I remember I was like, oh, that's beautiful. You know, like it's cool. And the other mother is like the most terrifying, like, gateway horror i've ever seen <laughs> i'm 34 years old and love 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 really extreme horror i watch french horror for fun did it the other night and um i find the other mother terrifying <laughs> yeah kind of she's kind of a monster <laughs> literally um but <laughs> but yeah so i with this watch i really did i enjoyed it more um it is not my favorite like a film but i do think it is absolutely Ooh, what is your favorite like a film uh, it's actually Kubo and the Two Strings. Hmm. I that is a good love, one. I loved Kubo and the Two Strings. Like, I li- I've liked every Leica film, but Kubo and the tr- Two Strings, like, really... It was surprising, and one of my favorite things about a movie is when it surprises me, because I've watched so many that at this point I know the formulas. So for the most part, they don't surprise me. Um... Which is also my fault because I'm analytical and I have to figure out what's going on before the end of the movie. And that's that's my amount of crazy. But Kubo and the Two Strings, it did. It surprised me. And then at the end, you know, it's... I don't know. I just found it very beautiful, very moving. So Kubo's my favorite. But I do, I do like everything they've done. Coraline is, like I said, Coraline is... This watch played out much better for me. Yeah, this is definitely my favorite uh, uh, from the studio. So I'm thinking you both would recommend this then? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So uh, do you want to get into the production and stuff, and then we can hop into the movie? (laughs) As long as we're not going through that creepy, like birth canal tunnel thing <laughs> oh i like to go through the creepy birth canal it's so pretty i've seen that, that birth canal entryway compared to um pan's labyrinth and alice in wonderland kind of crawling through a small space and then he opens into this yeah. world uh, and matrix as well 
<laughs> I've never seen all of Pants Labyrinth, and Clayton I'm sorry. can tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get into it? Should we tell this story? Yeah. I mean, it's worth telling. <laughs> okay, so Clayton... It, so Clayton As everyone is knows, an, I'm a stoner. It, yes, is an imbiber of the devil's lettuce. And I am not. It is not... It's just something that I've never, never really enjoyed. But Clayton and I have been friends for years. And he was like, oh, he's like, you're going to have to come down one of these days and just get like, we'll just get stoned. I was like, okay, fine. This was when Mitchell and I were dating, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. they were actually, you guys had your apartment, your old apartment. Um, and so I come down and i'm keeping up with clayton i'm <laughs> don't try blunt pipe <laughs> blunt pipe bong, bong everything i have i'm with him and i remember the moment where i and we're watching pan's labyrinth which also <laughs> fuck <laughs> you're, you're so mean um <laughs> amazing so we're watching this <laughs> maybe if you were used to smoking but like <laughs> And we're watching it, and I just remember the moment I was completely just fucking gone. Just gone. Also, I just want to preface this. Sean had had a very large Italian dinner. I did. You bought Stouffer's lasagna. And I also hadn't eaten anything, so I ate ate, a huge helping of it. And so we're sitting there, we're watching it, and I remember the moment I was just gone. Because I couldn't remember anything that had happened in the movie, and we were like forty-five minutes in, and I was actively watching it, and I just couldn't. I couldn't. I still can't remember. I I still don't know anything about <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. Um, and then the room started spinning, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and then I started projectile vomiting, like Exorcist projectile vomiting. I didn't know it was possible to do this in real life. It just adds to the experience. <laughs> Yeah, Mitchell had fallen asleep because he was tired and stoned and went to sleep, and he didn't give a shit about Pan's Labyrinth. And <laughs> I still remember his horrified face. He like to seeing vomit just like flying couch. across his living room. <laughs> <laughs> I will oh. add to Sean's credit, this weed was it was really really strong, but it was like rough to smoke. Um. That probably uh, didn't help. Um, but yeah, it was... Uh, it fucked my day. It did. It fucked my day up. And I had to sit there for like a minute. And then Clayton was like, go take a shower. So I like shuffled into their into their, into their their room to go take a shower. And so I, I'm sitting... I've been standing in the shower. And my center of gravity kept shifting. So I had to like hold on to like the ledge of the shower and just like rock back and forth because I was like at fall like feeling like I was gonna fall. And so I take a shower, I get out, I'm like, what do I do with my clothes? So I just throw them back in the shower and turn the water back on. Um <laughs> and then I go and Clayton's in the in their bedroom at the time, they had a patio, so he's like, Go sit over there, just take some cool air in. I'm like, okay. So I sit down. And I don't know how long it was, but Clayton comes in there and he's like, how you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, he, so he he's like, mm-hmm. and he lights a cigarette and I smell it and I go, <laughs> and, 
and, and I just remember your look because you look at me and you went, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs away and he comes back with a garbage can that you threw at me. That was the- <laughs> <laughs> He literally throws his garbage can at me, sand cigarette. And I, of course, up Chuck again. At this point, I've thrown up everything but my memories, apparently. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, so I, I just kind of set the garbage can down and then I couldn't stand. So I crawled out of their, <laughs> out of their bedroom, past them where they're both actively trying to clean. Like they're actively cleaning up. We and were I'm cleaning like, up with the car with the carnage all night. <laughs> No, I felt so bad. I still feel bad. Um, like, I crawl past them, and I just get up on the couch, and I wake up the next day at, like, noon. And I'm the hungriest I've ever been in my life. And I... Uh, then That's how to... you know I love you, because I cannot do vomit. I, I know. I, I know. I Well, I did proceed to clean your guys' bathroom, and you said it was cleaner than it was when you moved in, so... Yeah. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> But that Needless is to story. say, he's not had the bravery to go back to Pan's Labyrinth since. I can't imagine being stoned and then being stoned and seeing the Pale Man in Pan's Labyrinth. I, I can't imagine any of, any of that. I just drink coffee and cry. <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> I don't even remember if I saw him. <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't know. I remember like the big things, but the little the details are gone. <laughs> Probably just I do remember him and he'll come back in a flashback uh, yeah. I know I'm gonna when I try watching Pan's Labyrinth again, which I've been wanting to. Um, I just got it on 4K. It's beautiful. Okay, um, you talk me into it. Go but watch it. I, <laughs> I I just remember Mitchell's horrified face because he literally shot up off the couch and like just looked. I'm at pretty me sure with, like, the experience just terror. burned into all of our memories forever. <laughs> and I I was just the next day. I'm I'm an apologetic person anyway, but I was just like I'm so sorry. <laughs> and Mitchell's like it's not your fault. It's Clayton's. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was my fault. <laughs> But yeah, that is that is the story of why I have not <laughs> revisited past Labyrinth. Or a lot of weed for that matter. Yeah. It's it's a fair. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot say I blame you. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering when this story was gonna end up on the podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm kind of surprised it took us seventy four episodes for this to come out. <laughs> this is one of our biggest stories. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Unlike the creepy tunnel in Pan's Labyrinth. Um, anyway, the this was <laughs> written and directed by Henry Selick of, uh, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas fame. Or at least it should be Nightmare Before Christmas fame because a lot of people just insist on thinking that Tim Burton directed that even though he did not. And uh, this was based on this novel of the same name by master of the written word, Neil Gaiman. I need to read this book. I've actually, it's one of the few that I have not read by him. <laughs> you haven't though. read Coraline? I haven't. I've never actually read Coraline. I haven't. I haven't read it yet either. But I've been I have it as well, but I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we suck. We should get on. <laughs> Just so much information here. <laughs> Apparently the book is a little bit slower than the movie is or, or i can't remember i read something whereas like the book like the 
the movie really hits a more of the like kind of like plot points quicker. I don't remember, but it's it quite was, I mean, movies tend to. I mean, the Lord of the Rings films took all the time to describe um, a tree as Tolkien did. We would have never gotten through one of those movies. That's the extended edition. <laughs> Four hours each. I just, hey, I've been actually going to the theater to see the extended editions on the big screen. And it's the first time I've seen Lord of the Rings on the big screen. And so getting to see them in the extended editions and the remastered 4K has just been wonderful. And I, again, I'm a smoker. I need a cigarette. But those movies are so well paced. Return of the King is actually um, a week from today when I'll be going to see that one. But I thought it would be a lot rougher to sit there for that many hours. But it's amazing. Mainly I don't get why they cut out Sauron's death in Two Towers. It's just a really important plot point. And then in the theatrical release, it's just not shown. So you just disappear. Christopher just disappears. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about it. It came on really to say that. It's been bothering me for so long. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so weird. Like, I haven't seen the theatrical editions in so many years because basically as soon as the extended ones came out i just watched those yeah so i can't even remember what was it like there will be some scenes that i'm like oh yeah this wasn't in the theatrical but um for the most part i couldn't tell you what was missing (laughs) obviously if i tried to watch the theatrical i'd be like what's wrong with it (laughs) why is all this stuff gone yeah clayton and i make it a a habit to revisit them Usually once a year at least. Yeah, I do that. And I usually watch them one or two other times that you don't watch it with me. (laughs) (laughs) I work a lot. (laughs) I love Lord of the Rings. They're amazing. And I want to go to New Zealand and yeah. Looks (laughs) wonderful. I want to Coraline. Yes, back to Coraline. (laughs) I do want to shout out the music in this movie. I don't always necessarily credit the composer, but the music by Bruno Coulet, Calais, I don't know, is wonderful. I love the score to this movie. It adds so much to the story. Just want to shout out the score he did. It's so creepy. It's it's like puppets were singing. If they could do that, that's what it would sound like. That's very, very true. Oh, I don't also, like that. <laughs> no, I'm going to like, watch it again and just have a chill every time. <laughs> okay, so that song that he makes up about Coraline, like, that's a banger. <laughs> I'm just going. Like, it is. I, it is truly a bop, and it's so I creepy. have literally, I don't even remember it from the first time, but I was watching, when I was watching this for the pod, I was like, oh my god, I had to rewind it. I was like, that was so good. <laughs> Also, apparently that's sang by one of the guys from, I believe it's They Might Be Giants. You know, I don't know music at all, so I'm just going to smile um, and nod and act like I know that that's really cool. Hang on a second. <laughs> let me let me double check, make sure. I should have wrote this note in there, but I was it was it was late. It was Comic-Con. Well, take your yeah, time. Yeah, it's I from They Might edit. Be Giants. They're the ones that sing, um, they do the Malcolm in the Middle theme. <laughs> Sean, you know I've never seen an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> You've never seen Malcolm in the Middle? I, I grew up without TV. Oh, well, they're kind of a, like a... They're an alternative rock band, essentially. <laughs> alternative to what? <laughs> so, uh, production of Coraline is kind of crazy. Over 130 sets were built across 52 different stages at the studios, spanning 180,000 square feet, 
the 52 different stages were in were the most ever deployed for a stop motion animated feature. There were also 24 different puppets of Coraline used in the making of the movie. Each one took 10 individuals in three to four months to construct. I did not know this one. Initially, the film was going to be live action and Dakota Fanning was actually going to physically portray Coraline. And I'm just going to throw in here. If it had been, I don't think Coraline would be my one of my favorites if that was a thing. And when it was decided instead to make a stop motion animated film, Fanning was asked if she would still be interested in providing the voice for Coraline. She said yes, as she thought it would be fun to do and grew even more excited when she saw what Coraline was going to look like, which is awesome because Coraline looks great. I love it. I saw a, um, a little um, figure statue thing of Coraline at Target the other day, and I really want to buy it because I was like, I need that on my bookshelf. That's so cool. Love it. Love the design. One crew member specifically was hired to knit miniature sweaters and other clothing for the puppet characters using knitting needles almost as thin as human hair. And how <laughs> cute is that? <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I don't have I don't have the finger dexterity for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've got like Shrek fingers. Like they're they're little sausages, so I don't I'm don't sorry. <laughs> <laughs> First isn't problems. that cute like i'm just gonna knit these tiny little puppet outfits for Coraline with tiny little needles what a nice Great. job and a scary <laughs> job but right? it's nice too <laughs> at one hour and 40 minutes long this was the longest stop motion film until guillermo del toro's pinocchio in 2022 which runs for an hour and 57 minutes and i will also throw out there which is that movie fucking amazing so good did you see it, Sean? Yeah, I really. No, like I that. Did oh, not. the other Sean. Okay. Oh. No, I don't <laughs> no, know. I know what Sean didn't. I see was like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I really liked uh, it. It I was uh, like beautiful. a Christmas trauma. It was yeah, it was pretty good. Oh, I thought it was gorgeous. Neil Gaiman has said that out of all the film and TV adaptations of his work, Coraline is his favorite. Does he say that a little in his movies or? <laughs> I would if I was a writer. Yeah, I, mean, I would too. We can't all be as. <laughs> it's like Stephen King. We all know he hated The Shining, but every other thing that's been made of his, he's like, "This is amazing. It's my favorite work." <laughs> oh, that is not job. true. You did not say that about the, the, the about graveyard shift. <laughs> okay, that was a while ago. I just mean like I feel like the past since I've been on Twitter. So since you know mid late early two thousands. Somewhere in there. I think the it movies are the best. Been... Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a wonderful adaptation of my work. And it's like, really? really? Did, you, <laughs> did you see it, Stephen? Hey, some people just appreciate the movies. And plus, he still gets money off of it. So he's like, yeah, Dude, I Stephen love makes it. Bank Please and keep he makes it. very him. hard. We all know I love Stephen King, but all of his adaptations are not amazing. <laughs> Yes, not all of them. Um, <sighs> Still a... trying to manifest an adaptation of Rose Matter into the universe. Need Didn't to see they... it on screen. Didn't they do Rose Matter in the 90s? No. They, they did Rose Red, that? but... Um, yes. Is Rose Matter different? Yeah. yeah, Rose Matter is a different story. It's um, a woman that like goes into a painting... And I think the painting was called Rose Matter. There's a minotaur in it. It's really creepy. 
Um, oh, I'm thinking of Dolores Claiborne. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Dolores Claiborne is actually a really great adaptation. And I also yeah. really enjoyed that book. So that one I was way too was... young. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of I've actually better. never seen it. <laughs> oh, it's good. I, I didn't read the book, so I usually I try and read a book before I And watch there's a movie, some fun crossovers with um uh what is it? Gerald's game, I believe. Yeah. That adaptation was really good too. Yeah, I really liked it. Love Carla Gugino. She's so great. I'm so excited for the follow of the House of Usher. Oh, sorry. I think that's next that's week. Next week, yeah. Yeah. Like the annual I'm very fun excited. again. Yeah. I keep thinking it's like sooner, and I'm like, look up. Like, is this on Netflix yet? And it's like, no, October 12th or 14th or whatever the fuck it is. And I'm just like, damn it, it's still two weeks away. But now it's actually getting close. Yay. Neil Gaiman was typing the name Caroline, but made a mistake and it came out Coraline. Gaiman says, I looked at the word Coraline and knew it was someone's name. I wanted to know what happened to her, which inspired him to write the novel on which this film is based. And I think that's really funny because every time I try to write Coraline, it turns into Caroline and it gets really frustrating. <laughs> My notes. Well, he hell. did write this. The book is was from the early. Like. It was he was he started writing it in 1990. So, I mean, he maybe spell check wasn't those good then. <laughs> well, also, I'm doing all my stuff on a phone. If I'm ever writing Coraline, it's on a phone and autocorrect is just often wrong. I'm sure on a computer and <laughs> other things. And hell, he could have typed this like on a fucking typewriter. So who knows? But also, yeah. Coraline is like a real name. Like there's real people named Coraline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what he said. He knew it was someone's name. Like, um, also to bring in the music, um, they use the children's choir of Nice for the like nonsense. Nice. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, but the main soloist, her name was actually Coraline, like the one little girl you hear the most mm-hmm. singing the and singing in it. Her name was Coraline. Her such a spooky coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was meant to be. Fate, this movie is a work of destiny. Putting a lot on it. <laughs> <laughs> Coraline's facial combinations consist of three D printed prototypes. New tech enabled a prototype to be molded by a computer, which was then hand painted by the modeling department. Each jaw replacement was clipped between Coraline's eyes, resulting in a visible line, which was later digitally removed frame by frame. There were a total of 207,336 possible face combinations for the character. Animators do not get enough credit. It's really impressive that they managed to get facial expressions with their characters that have buttons for eyes. Uh, especially the scene yeah. where like, they Coraline tempts the other mother with like a game and you can see light flashing across the buttons. I thought that was a really expressive moment. She doesn't it. even have eyes. <laughs> Yeah, and the eyes are generally where expression comes from the most, and it's just, like, it's so cool. I love it. Speaking of the other mother, the other mother's name, Beldam, is an archaic word meaning a malicious and ugly woman, especially an old one, a witch. It was once traditional on Halloween night for kids to dare each other to knock on the neighborhood Beldam's door, an elderly woman living near them. In many stories, a Beldam closely resembles a spider, and lures children into her home with candy and treats, only to trap them inside a cobweb and liquefy their innards with venom. Uh, 
In other variations, the beldam just traps kids in her home and eats them. <laughs> just traps them in their home and eats them. Wonderful. The spider and the fly poem is similar to these stories. In Coraline, many of the happenings in the film are also similar to these stories and that poem. Curiously, the term beldam is believed to have stemmed from beldam, French for beautiful lady, from the fairy tale La Belle Dame Saint Merci, and which, which again parallels the events of Coraline. And I have wondered for years what the fuck a bell dam was and never bothered to look it up because I'm fundamentally lazy at heart. That was choice number two for my name. Well, I would have been called when I was born. You know, I'm kidding. It's it's not. But that would have been really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's why they use it for your middle name, right? Sean, yeah. Sean Beldum Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what your Halloween name on Twitter should be, like Sean, and then like an apostrophe is like Bell Dam. I mean, people do like come up to the door and run, a- ring the bell, run away, kind of expecting Spider Woman to come out and wrap them up and kill them. I mean, that's the general assumption. So, if you haven't started your Halloween costume, you know, just do the other mother. I would love the polka dot dress that the other mother wears. It's so nice. Oh, I uh, love that polka dot I dress. love that. The one that has, like, the, um, oh, my God, what the fuck? It has the, like, Black Widow red spot on the back. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, love it. It's my favorite. Honestly, her fashion in this movie is wonderful. Like, much better dressed than Coraline herself, because she, like, the outfit that, like, she chooses for her is, like, a navy jumper with uh, stars on it, and Coraline's like, this is so cool, and it, it's it's not really... Meanwhile, her the mother is just like, hey, I'm going to dress like the sexiest character from Mad Men. And... <laughs> what? She does. <laughs> Out of all of the comparisons you could have made, it's uh, the sexiest character from Mad Men was not the one I was expecting. Mad Men was an extremely stylish show, Sean. I know it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. <laughs> like, I'm just saying it was the, out of all the comparisons in the, the world, that was not the one I was expecting. And that's what made me laugh. I feel like it should not have surprised you. <laughs> we all know how much I love Mad Men. So this cast, like we have mentioned, Dakota Fanning was the voice for Coraline. Terry Hatcher putting in career best work, honestly, as Mel Jones and the other mother. Jennifer Saunders, fairy godmother of my heart, playing Miss Spink. Don French playing Miss Forcible. Keith David as the wonderful voice of the enigmatic cat. John Hodgman does the voice of the father. And fun fact, the model of the father was based on Ted Raimi. Just let that Oh my god, I can totally see it. (laughs) Robert Bailey Jr. provided the voice for YB. And Ian McShane, good old Ian McShane, played Bobinski. Also, YB's not in the book. No, he is not. (laughs) So are you ready to get into the plot and all of our wonderfully fascinating thoughts that I'm sure we have on Coraline? Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. Sorry, I thought it was like a rhetorical question. (laughs) 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 A lot 
lot of the questions that Clayton asks are rhetorical, but I don't think they're meant to be. <laughs> I wish I could sing like what's his face and do the schmigadoon. Like, no, this this was just a rhetorical question. <laughs> okay, so Coraline starts out with incredibly creepy animation. What do you think of the beginning, guys? Really detailed. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and it just it puts you right in the mood of of what exactly the movie you're watching. Like it's a dark fairy tale. And you get that kind of first person perspective with the the other mother, and you're not aware of it yet. Yeah, and you think you're just watching like sewing, but if you like when you know what it is, it's like oh, those are creepy little hands. And it, yeah, it's just it's so creepy. I love it, and seeing it on the big screen was so fun. Again, you know, drugs, whatever. But this movie. Stone, wonderful. I don't do hallucinogens personally, but I feel like it would be fantastic on acid or shrooms. You don't need to. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels like, whoa. So for years, I was dying for a 4K upgrade of Coraline because it's so gorgeous. And again, the colors, I was just like, I just want to see these with like HDR enhanced depth of color. And uh, finally, it was released on 4K and it was everything I wanted it to be. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, if you have the equipment to watch something in 4K, pick up the 4K version of Coraline. Best money you'll ever spend. And uh, we see the mother building the little Coraline doll. And then we finally move into the story proper. And we see the Pink Palace apartments, the setting of the story. What do we think of the Pink Palace? Kind of Tim burton in terms of like Edward Scissorhands' pink houses and the Catwoman's pink apartment. I think kind of that spooky pink aesthetic is something that we don't see that often but I, I always think it looks good i mean honestly it sounds like a place the golden girls would live um but like i love that <laughs> like i mean i feel they like kind of do <laughs> <laughs> we are there on moving day as the jones family is moving in and uh we meet Coraline. Coraline is iconic. She is. Can, one second. Can we just, can we get to the fact that the mother tips these handymen, like the, the delivery drivers, a dollar? A dollar. Like, this woman's a monster. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think they are very, very, very hard up for money. Is the impression yeah, I, get that, I always but, get. I don't know. But that just... That just drives me crazy. <laughs> like, I feel like she could have just not tipped them and it would be less insulting than tipping a dollar. <laughs> than tipping them a dollar? Oh, that just makes it even worse. Like, that, I don't know. It just makes her, it makes the mom out to be like, uh, automatically, I'm just like, oh no, she's an asshole. Got it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't even need to see how they treat Coraline. I just know they're, she's an asshole. But, I mean, the movers were paid. It's not like they're waiters that, you know, they're getting paid nothing and require tips to live. But it is, you know, the polite thing to do. But, yeah, a dollar, not cool. Just don't tip them. A dollar is insulting. Yeah. I like that the parents aren't exactly perfect in this. But, you know, it's it's not like a traditional kind of moral lesson tale where the kid acts out against the parents and then learns her lesson and is just well behaved for them. Kind of everybody is in the wrong in this. Yeah. The parents are very distant and not great. And Coraline is such a little brat. It's, yeah, 
I love well, not perfect characters. Yeah, she's Agreed. really like a and, kid. She's not one of those kind of in a sickly Victorian. Yeah, she's not one of those children. precocious, <laughs> annoying children. <laughs> <laughs> but and also, I mean, she's also crying out for attention. Yeah. So like she's meant to be like the whole fact of this is like out of everyone like i understand where Coraline's coming from because all yeah. she wants to do is be seen she says it all the time in this movie nobody listens to me and she just doesn't feel seen and like the parents are just so wrapped up in their own bullshit that they don't they're not noticing her so like out of everyone she's the one with the like who's who's you know out of everyone in this movie she's the one where i'm like oh i get it like that's probably how i would act if i had parents like this yeah I have a wonderful home life. I can't speak on this. I'm perfect. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the look of Coraline, that blue hair, the yellow slicker. It's so fun. Great, great character design. Kind of looks like, um, you know, the kid in it at the beginning with the yellow raincoat. Yeah, she really does. Also... Poor, poor little guy. Poor Georgie. Poor Georgie. <laughs> poor one out for Georgie. Hello, Georgie. Stick to Gollum, Sean. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> he does a wonderful Gollum impression. Love looking at her design. She goes off with a magic dowser to be a water witch and find a well and also lets throw rocks at cats because she's a brat. Sticking with it. Not just acting out. Nobody's watching. Nobody sees her throw the rock at the cat That because she's a little shit. Well, I just one thing. did She didn't see the cat, though, right? Because she hears the noise and it's like, Yeah, the, the noise that? sounds like a cat. <laughs> well, no, because it doesn't meow. She just hears like a crunk, crunkle, isn't it? Like, like something snapping on a twig. And then she throws the rock and then you hear row and then she runs away. I feel like if I hear an animal, my first instinct isn't to throw a rock at it. <laughs> oh, mine either. But, like, uh, she is a brat. I'm just saying. I under <laughs> Maybe she didn't think she was hitting something. She was just trying to throw a rock to get it away. And it just happened to land on the cat. Sure. I think she's I'm just... just giving her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Why? Why not? You're far too trusting, Sean. Far too trusting. Mm-hmm children are evil evil little monsters <laughs> some of them yes she meets her neighbor yb who was as sean mentioned not in the source novel he was created so Coraline would not have to just talk to herself like a psycho and so she would have a friend her own age i think friends stretching it a little bit but yeah i like yb that's a cool idea instead of internal narration you just get another character as a way of facilitating that kind of gap in cinema, you can do something different with it, something that literature can't do. Yeah, I love the incorporation of YB. And obviously there are some properties that can do, you know, internal narration and yeah. voiceover and stuff. But a lot of the time it just seems kind of like a crutch and can get old very, very quickly. And it just becomes a joke. Like, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, we have Sarah Jessica Parker just writing out the points of the episode for us at the end. <laughs> just like a recap. Am I, 
Am I the asshole? Yes, you are, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, Sean loves sex. I love sex in the city. No, I love Samantha Jones. That is the maybe I could stand a little bit of Charlotte, but the rest of them, I was just like, I haven't watched it just like that because they're so Samantha. There is. I know there is a scene with I know, Samantha. I know they they brought her back for like a scene, but like it's not enough to keep me coming back. <laughs> not enough to let me start it. <laughs> I will say I haven't finished that season, but and just like that is pretty good. Mm. But I also liked Sex in the City far more than you did. Yeah. Could you jump straight into just like that because I've seen half of the pilot of Sex in the City? Um, probably not. It probably it would probably mean nothing if if you just jumped into it. Like so that. I think you probably could, but it would. It looks like they I reference think, a lot of things a lot that less happen. without having the background. Yeah. But Sex and the City, like it's very very short. I mean, there's maybe seven seasons, but they're all like half hour episodes with like ten episodes a season, so it's. It's an easy watch. I don't think it holds up particularly well a lot of the time. No, the first half of the pilot didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's like, oh, different time. It's made in a different time. (laughs) It's a time capsule of the late 90s. I mean, honestly. You know what I really want to do? It's not Sex and the City, but I want to rewatch Girls now. You've been talking about that for like two years. I know. Ago. I'm like, I'm, I'm really wanting to do it. I keep thinking about it because I think that would be fascinating to watch in my mid thirties. Um, a few years removed from the situation. I think it would play very differently. Did you watch girls, Sean? Um, no, I didn't. And every time I like attempt to watch girls, something else will be released and I'll watch that instead. And then it just gets moved like kind of second then on the watch list. It's just one of those kind of doomed shows for me, but I will watch it eventually. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see um, your thoughts on it across Twitter as you make, <laughs> as you make your way through uh, that series. It is, it's something. You know, Lena Dunham, love or hate her, but people react strongly to her. <laughs> uh, you know, Sean, how I watched The Innkeepers again the other night with Mitchell. And we were like, the scariest thing of this entire movie is that she got trapped in a conversation with Lena Dunham. <laughs> Wait, anyway. who's Sean? Was that one too? Was that me, uh, Sean? Or... Okay. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were talking to me, but I was like, let me know. Yeah, I don't know. Sean, have you seen The Innkeepers? Oh, uh, yeah, I oh. think it's really good. Oh, I love The Innkeepers, but yeah. Scariest part, definitely getting trapped in a conversation with Lena Dunham. The ending was to pretty. Leave your coffee behind bleak as well she what it was just so bleak at the end as well i didn't expect it it was quite refreshing to see that it's not like a run in the mill so space movie yeah i mean i love a good uh ghost story it just seems like there's an but there's like a specific tone i want from a ghost story i want it to be bleak and sad and kind of like um the the innocence like, I want that. I don't know. And it seems like so many ghost stories go for, like, a shock value or mm-hmm. 
something and just don't really capture that quality and the end keepers really does it for me i almost feel like ghosts would be way too tired to engage in that kind of high energy poltergeist yeah stuff like yeah. if i was holding a place 100%. i wouldn't have the energy to like do stuff depends yeah, on how much you, you miss like me a off new ghost and you're just angry yeah but yeah, a place that's supposed to have been haunted for years, I would just think it would be more like a creep me out. I like vibes more in a ghost story. I just want it to be really atmospheric and vibey. That's what I'm generally looking for. And for some reason, people just can't seem to capture that somehow. Oh, well. They can. I mean, the haunting, not the one with, not the end of Aunt one, but the, the original haunting movie that one really has it i'd even give it to the haunting of hill house i think that one does capture them and while it does have the ghosts in it and they do some stuff oh, i love the haunting it's very of hill house. Yeah, it really, it's really does good. nail the nail the sadness and um, the melancholy to be in yeah because i think ghost stories inherently are extremely sad yeah it's like a, a memory or trauma and i think they do a really good job of exploring that with each of the characters Again, so excited for Mike Flanagan's yeah. Follow the House of Usher. Hope it lives up to everything I'm dreaming for it to be. Mm-hmm. I hope it is full of amazing monologues that are even better than the ones in Midnight Mass. If it's anything like Midli- Midnight Mass, I'm, I'm going to just go crazy. I, I love Midnight Mass. Me yeah. too. Sean really loved Midnight Mass. I loved it I a did. lot, but I think you wa- I only watched it like once, and I think you watched it twice. Yeah, I watched it twice. It was so good. And I'm waiting for that one to come out on Blu-ray too. <laughs> I hope it does. I know there was some kind of issues around physical media releasing. Yeah, eventually. because Netflix yeah. wants to hold control over all their stuff and not release it for people to buy. And then they'll just be like, eh, we're tired of this and delete it from Netflix. And so we can never watch Hush again. Well, I'm hoping I, I'm hoping to find some. Because I think Hush did release overseas, but I don't have a... I can't remember if it did or not, but um, I do have the Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor extended editions on Blu-ray, so I'm hoping we'll get a Midnight Mass one to add to my collection. Bly Manor was so sad. Yeah, I I quite liked it. It was really sad, though. (laughs) The ending was quite sad. love. I love sad movies and tv shows <laughs> the sad horror is becoming more popular now i think oh yeah trauma the trauma horror i'm almost getting burnt out on it but i <laughs> yeah. still really like it i love what they're saying with it but i would love a bigger variety kind of like the a24 grief movies. i see that as a genre in itself yeah but it's like that's all we were getting for a few years. So I'm kind of loving that stuff like Malignant is coming yeah. out now. <laughs> Malignant is, is so cool. It's like, yes, bring some fun back to my horror. Let's continue working through trauma because we need to do that. And horror is a great place to do that. But spice it up a little bit. Uh, also, Sean, your advice on uh, maybe not buying the Boogeyman mm-hmm. on point. I enjoyed watching it, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah aggressively fine sophie thatcher was great though yeah kind of just, like yellow jackets like post-trauma with, yeah yeah oh fucking yellow jackets are you so mad like i am that they have that bonus episode that they're just holding on to and haven't released when are they going to release that because uh, I, I need it <laughs> i need to know more 
I don't know when they're going to release it, but you know, they still can't even start filming yeah, for the next strikes. season because of the strike. And so I'm like, they they'll probably give us that. hold this and then just, it's like, come on, it's one episode. Instead of like a people season. Are gonna, yeah. Like just fucking release it. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like at Christmas time or something and they'll release it at Christmas. Like, oh, this is their Christmas in the wilderness and here. Maybe that'll be a thing. I don't know. I just, I, I, want, it. It. I want that other episode. I thought it was very selfish of them to not just release it like a couple weeks after the finale. But, you know, I'm not Showtime, so. Well, you got to keep interest up. Yeah, now they let the interest die. Except me. I'm still very interested, Showtime. Please release it. Thank you. Speaking of yellow jackets, back to Coraline. <laughs> yes, speaking of yellow jackets, back to Coraline. That was a perfect Coraline. segue. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful Thank transition. You. The cat. Love the cat. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he'll come to YB's windows and bring him little dead things, which is so cute. That's how you know cats really love you. Mine just brings me candy wrappers, personally. I like how the cat had like just this really kind of mature voice when that was revealed that he could talk in the other world. It was just not expected voice. I thought it was going to be like kid voice or you know something kind of cute, but it was just it's kind of very grown up voice. It's Keith Devon. It's Keith David. <laughs> yeah, I love the voice for the cat, and it just it's so funny that it's just this old, wise kind of sarcastic voice <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you would think. I love it. I, I love thought it would be like a kid so voice, much. like Casper or something. <laughs> but it's funny because it really does kind of feel like how the cat reacts to everything in this movie. Yeah. Like before you get to his voice, like I, you're right. You would expect like a kid voice, but then like seeing the character, like, and it played better, even better the more you watch it. Because like now that you know that Keith David is the voice that like of the cat in its head, like in your head. Then you're just like, oh, like it, it makes sense. Like he's kind of sarcastic and got a little, you know, it, it's it's just I think it's a really brilliant casting for that one. Like old person sarcasm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like us, old people sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we find out a great little detail that is a little bit sinister. YB is fascinated by the fact and surprised that his grandma rented to them because she usually won't rent to people with kids doesn't say why yeah like they know what's gonna happen and they they just let it happen anyway that's quite that is sinister i am curious knowing what plays out and how the grandma is why she did rent to them i wonder if she was just really hard up for money and it's like well sorry fuck that kid <laughs> <laughs> well but she never really knows what happened to her sister so i don't i don't think it's more of a uh, she's trying to be sinister about it but like she also doesn't have any concrete evidence so it could be like you said uh, she might just be hard up and she just it's more of like a vibe she feels from the place she thinks the place is just not healthy for children and I mean the history of it, of course, but you know, like maybe, and also maybe they didn't tell that they had a kid coming with them. Like she thought it was just a couple. I don't know. I feel like that's something you have to put on the paperwork. Maybe. Like you have to tell if you have pets. I feel like cat kids are even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, kids 
don't tend to piss on the floor. <laughs> have you met children, Sean? I do have, and I most of them are potty trained. <laughs> or they are in the midst of it. Or they're wearing a diaper. Kids make messes. Horrible messes. Writing on the walls and permanent marker. Like... Like, if a cat did that, it would be kind of impressive and cute. But if a kid does it, it's just <laughs> annoying. <laughs> uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. If my cat uh, suddenly just displayed art, I would... I would frame it. <laughs> exactly. I would, like, charge admission, you know, people to come in and watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I would start a YouTube series. That's My better. cat, Why do he paints. Painting with Sniffles. <laughs> also, you have to change your cat's name to Sniffles. <laughs> because that just sounds cute. It's his, uh, what did he call it? It's his, it's his stage name, Sniffles. Sniffles. Uh, I love how mean Coraline is to him. Like, That's such a <laughs> Definitely hurt someone. Why were you born? <laughs> Also, why would you name your kid Wyborn? Might be a family name. I ask myself why I'm born all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. I just just feel like it's mean when a parent does that. (laughs) I will say, she tosses a pebble down the old well that she found with her poison oak um, dowsing rod. The depth of this old well calculated from Coraline's pebble drop is about 116.8 meters, which for us Americans that refuse to learn the metric system is 381 feet. Jesus. Yeah, I was not picturing something that deep. And so that factoid, I was like, ooh. We finally meet the parents, the very absent parents. And Coraline's like, I want to grow shit. And the stuff she wants to grow, I just want to point out, all of the plants that she, like, puts the little seed packets in the window are um, what is growing in the other mother's garden when she sees it later. Just fun fact. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Either. Yeah. The details and callbacks in this movie are amazing. She really tailors the other world to, to what Coraline wants. Yeah. I have questions about how some of this works like when she falls asleep in the other place but she wakes up and she's back and like who moves her yeah does the other mother just sort of push her back through like the tunnel with like her really long <laughs> arms i mean without making noise yeah and uh, like the same what is she eating in the other world that's my biggest one like what is she eating when the mother feeds her yeah because she's not full when she's in the regular world She's just eating ideas. Like it's it's just illusions. It's a it's a Mitchell thinks she's fault. feeding her bugs. Uh, it could be. Like the mealworm patties they try to sell you in grocery stores now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an impossible burger. <laughs> we we know how it's uh, possible. Uh, poor Coraline. <laughs> Uh, her mother gives her something, though, that some kid left on the front porch. What would you do if you just got a random doll that looked exactly like you right down to what you were wearing? I'd be freaked out, but I'd keep it because it's, it's, it's inherently cool, but it's, it's not. I just feel safe. So um, it would be a mix of emotions. No, I've watched too many horror movies. 
Um, so for Burn me, <laughs> I, would, I would just leave it there and then I'd move. Like, I'd be like, no, this is not the place for me. Um, there are creepy things happening here. I would upload a picture to Instagram. Yeah, like take a picture and then move or then burn it. Like, yeah, just just to have some documentation of what happened. And... <laughs> and like, look at this crazy thing! You guys aren't gonna believe this. And then you get accused that it's AI, and then it would be a whole thing, and you'd have to take it down. Yeah, of course. Uh, Coraline is begging for attention. Her mom's being like, "Fuck off." Her dad is just like. You know, go count the windows. And also, I just love, love, love the little moment when her dad's like, what did your mom say? And Coraline's like, don't even think about going out, Coraline Joe. (laughs) (laughs) How every child feels their parents talk to them. So Coraline goes to count all the windows in the house and be an annoying little kid. And I will say, it is really nice that you can give little kids just like stupid busy work and they'll go do it. And then they want to come tell you like there were 12 windows. I don't care. I just was trying to keep you busy. Well, but what else does she have to do? Like there's nothing else for her to do. Read it's a kind book. Of, like, interesting to see what era this is because she doesn't have a game console. She's not watching TV or where's all the technology. Yeah, technology and I didn't even see a book in the, the house. Story. Yeah. Like they just moved in. Like stage of moving where nothing is unpacked. Yeah, so like they're just like, oh, go make fun by yourself. Well, well where's the fun? She had, like, she doesn't. Re- she's using a, a poison oak as a toy. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> she doesn't really know. Like, she doesn't really have anything to make fun with because there's no, like you said, there's no TV, Sean. Like, it's just, I don't know. I these parents are just dicks. She had some toys out in her room. Yeah, but you can only play with those for so long, and she had to come in the night before. So guess what? She already played with them. Like, I don't know about you, but variety is the spice of life. Well, Coraline is not a five-year-old, and if she wanted a book, she could have unpacked. That was like the first thing I unpacked whenever we moved, is I'd get my books, I'd unpack them, and then you have things to do. So I do not feel sorry for her. Okay, rude. You forget what it's like to be a kid, don't you? I, I was just a weird kid that just sat around and read books all the time. So, <laughs> so kids that want to be kids, I'm just like, why? Why are you being so irritating? Well, how dare you do what everyone else usually does? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say I wouldn't have a kid any longer if they turned the electricity off and lost all of my hard work from the day that I've got writer's rash from and sitting hunched in front of my computer. Okay, but like they don't even treat her like... A, 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 they treat her as such a non-entity. Like, I I don't blame her. Honestly, good for her. That is, that for me was like, I was like, oh, good for her moment. Like, no offense, he, dad should be saving his work. And then also, like, he doesn't even look at her. He's just like, here, go count the windows. He's just staring at the screen. Like, I get it. But like, he doesn't even acknowledge her presence other than to, like, tell her to go do something. And I don't know about you, but that drives me insane when I'm talking to someone and they don't even look at me. Oh, no. Don't put me down. Sorry. That's, I guess I'm just throwing my own, <laughs> my own X in there. <laughs> it's called projection. And <laughs> I do want to know, while she's going around counting all the windows and smashing bugs in the shower with her bare hands instead of with, you know, some paper towel or something like a sane person, her doll moves. 
in front of a little door, and I just want to know again, who moved the doll? If the other mother isn't able to get out without the key, like, how how did this happen? Is the doll sentient? Well, it could. she said that the the doll is how she sees, but also the mice could conceivably crawl under the door because she's able to get out from under the door. So maybe she sent the mice slash rats to do it? Maybe. It's a really good horror shot of, like, I like that shot of the doll, and you realize it's moved. Yeah, again, um, time to move, or maybe burn the doll. I think it's a good kind of gateway horror as well, if you're like a, like a kid going to uh, Yeah, theater. it's fantastic gateway horror, and again, like, I watched some a lot of fucked up shit, and I still think Coraline is scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. I think it's genuinely frightening. I absolutely agree with that. I think yeah. I think this is one of the best gateway horrors, because it's... It doesn't hold back for children, but it also doesn't hold back for adults either. And while it is more... The horror is never understated. It, like, it's it's very subtle in some ways, but it's not understated, which I think is important for a gateway horror. Yeah, and while there is like a little bit of humor, they never like break the tension for the sake of humor. It's, mm-hmm. it's not humor first. And also, this is a very much a children's film. Like, it's considered a children's film that's allowed to be sad. Like, most of them have this happy-go-lucky tune and everything ends so positively and everything, everyone's, you know, they, yeah, we're going on this adventure, but, like, everything is good. Like, this one, it doesn't have that. Like, it very much is a melancholy tone. And, like, honestly, like, Coraline is kind of just neglected. It could be a metaphor for growing up as well. It's like the older you get, the less support you have from other people. And you think like the other side like, is going to be a lot better than what it is. And it's just disappointing. It's a kind of transitionary phase. Oh God, yeah. I want to rescind my... <laughs> I'd like to cancel my membership to adulthood. Um, <laughs> this trial has sign... been awful. <laughs> I didn't sign the terms and agreements like... I love that the key for this little door, its handle, the handle part of the key, I cannot think of the technical term, but is shaped like a button. Yeah, that's really cool. I like keys like that. It's so wonderful. I love that the whole button motif even extends to the key. Um, but on her parents, I mean, her mom even says, like, your dad cooks, not very well it looks like, I clean and you stay out of the way. Like. That's the family dynamic. That's not, that's not great. Also, the food does look like vegetables look like when I was a kid. It's it, That's kind of how I saw it. It's just something that should be out in the backyard or something, not on a plate. I mean, you're Irish, so I'll make this joke. Healthy food. It looks like something they would eat in England. And it, like, it, it looks like spinach that you get when you're a kid. Yeah. Like any kind of green vegetable, or you know, and kale. It's just like super popular and everyone was eating it and you, everyone secretly knew it looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's disgusting. I think the production design on the food in this movie is wonderful. But yeah, everything our dad cooked, I'm just like, oh, that's, that's awful. I agree that they're trying to poison you, Coraline. <laughs> oh, I remembered what I was going to say uh, on the danger of this movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I finally remembered it. Um most movies, you know, you don't feel the protagonist is in danger or, you know, a kid is in danger. But I was like, I genuinely fear for Coraline in this story. Like, I feel like it could end badly for her. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not going to, but. Yeah, they were too empowered by comparison. 
Yeah. Like it just seemed like, oh, she's she's fucked. This is going to end uh this is gonna end badly. And I love that it has that quality to it. Well, it it does. And it's one of the reasons I like this movie is because it doesn't. And not to jump ahead too far, but it's like it's nice to see this character who, you know, like you feel bad for Coraline. Or at least I did. You know, you're watching this and you're just like, oh, she just wants to be seen. Like, she just wants to be heard. She wants somebody to acknowledge her existence. And it they finally do. Yeah, eventually. Uh, that night, she goes into the vaginal canal <laughs> and um, meets, meets the other mother. Also, quick question, just before we get into this. How did the mother know which key was going to open that sealed up that sealed up door that nobody realized about? <laughs> She's just like, oh, it must be this one, I guess. <laughs> I think like they have the that full like same. drawer of keys. Yeah, or just like a pretending that they're different keys. I I don't know how she knew because it wasn't like oh we don't know what this one is like there was a bunch of loose keys in that drawer. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like she was just she immediately knows exactly what key it is. It does feel like she's omnipotent and she can kind of do everything seal. And I guess that's what like right. a lot of adults feel like to kids like your parents are kind of this all seeing all knowing like entity. Or just just by fact that they're older than you. The scariest thing I discovered when upon growing up is realizing once you're at like a certain age that you're like, Oh, my parents had like me at this age or like at this point they would have already had like a 10 year old or whatever is realizing that adults didn't like, didn't actually know anything and are constantly just kind of, you know, doing what everybody's doing, just trying to figure shit out all the time and hope doing their best. Realizing that and being like, Oh my God, like why am I not more fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like oh my god if i had like to take care of a child and like support like a family and just run everything and just try to be like okay anything that comes across like i have to figure this out like that's horrifying i don't know how any of us survive to adult <laughs> anyway that thing i've talked to some of my friends that are parents and stuff and we all like talk about like when we realize that adults really don't know everything yeah especially when you see your friends doing it you're like yeah that's definitely not like an organized system going by the people (laughs) (laughs) it's like this kid's gonna ask you a question i know for a fact you don't fucking have a clue yeah that's why you get a lot of just because (laughs) yes that is why we get a lot of because i said so she meets her other mother who has buttons for eyes, and they are so creepy, and they glint so menacingly. I, I don't know how they put a glint on a button on a face and make it terrifying. Well, it also doesn't help that she's just smiling like a... like <laughs> She's smiling like a demented like game show host. <laughs> I think she means it to be warm and inviting. <laughs> That's what happens when I smile. It just it goes, goes horrifyingly wrong. like wednesday adams like (laughs) uh her dad has a player piano and by a player piano i mean it plays him i think that's kind of mirror am i like reading too much into it or is that like mirroring Coraline? how they're kind of playing her and controlling her and she thinks she has like all this freedom in in a whimsical world Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a really good read i don't think that's reaching at all and then that song is such a banger. 
<laughs> Making up a song about Coraline. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's creepy. I don't believe that he made it up on the spot like that. I think it's too good. But, uh... Oh, no. He was sitting right. there waiting. He was like... <laughs> <laughs> also apparently there were 10 songs originally written for this movie before the melancholy tone was decided and then so this is the only one they kept well i couldn't imagine the movie without this so i'm really glad they kept it and i think it is very very creepy like it's just this fun little bop but it's it's creepy and i like it like that our eyes will be on Coraline line at the end <laughs> and then she gets to go to dinner we give our thanks and ask to bless our mother's golden chicken breast. <laughs> yeah, and like Beauty and the Beast, she doesn't get to eat her food. and um, Probably thankfully. Yeah, uh, seriously, every single time, I'm like, what is she eating? Like, like I said, Mitchell thinks it's bugs. You think it's just ideas. Sean, what do you think she's eating? Like, just. I think it's like she, the other mother's kind of creating it as she's saying it. So something like between it, like a concept, you know, kind of dream food, like when you eat something in your dream, you kind of processing it in your mind like psychologically yeah. but not physically doing it i'm, I'm still kind of bothered yeah, by like, the, mm. she, the fact that she orders like a mango milkshake I mean, does, does anyone ever Ugh. drink that or like it is that even legal i don't no, know i will say i like a strawberry mango smoothie but the thought of a mango milkshake yeah. sounds horrible and just more proof that Coraline is a horrible little girl <laughs> i feel like she was trying to go for the most obscure thing possible to see if they had it and then oh it's it's there she looked quite impressed when she saw it and surprised. Yeah, I mean, a mango milkshake is pretty fucking obscure. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the other mother can manifest anything. Her manifestations. Yeah, and she gives her a cake that says, Welcome home. Tells her very, very, very creepily, We've been waiting for you, Coraline. It's just really upsetting. I think I would have had chills if I was Coraline. She doesn't seem too phased at this point, does she? No. Oh, and one of the things I absolutely love is the finger tapping. Yeah. Because it it really shows you the inner workings of like the uh, the other mother because she's she's doing this. She's putting on this facade, but the inside is just like let me put the button eyes on you, you little bitch. <laughs> you know like just dead. Do you love it yet? Do you love it yet? Can I put my I'm going to keep you. <laughs> And it's just, that gives you, like I, I just feel like it, it really shows you the impatience of the other mother, like, contrasted with, like, the facade she puts on. Kind of reminds me of like, those kind of cautionary tales about getting kidnapped as a kid and, like, how the predators kind of love bomb kids and provide what they don't think that the kid is getting at home. Right. Sorry, I went dark yeah, there for, yeah. for a second. But, yeah. No, it's, no <laughs> it's, it's a dark story and it's true. It's creepy. Like Pinocchio with the kind of fox guy taking him away to the circus, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, before she goes to sleep, the mom sings songly and is like, see you soon. Puts some mud on her hand for the poison oak. Wakes up and her hand's better. And she's trying to tell her real mother, like, hey, I had this crazy dream and all this stuff. And, of course, she's just like, whatever, go bother the neighbors. I bet those actresses would love to hear about your dreams. Um, the way she says actresses, do you think she knows that they're, like, burlesque performers? <laughs> and why would she send her daughter to go see these old burlesque ladies? Um, absolutely knows they're burlesque performers. And because she does not give a shit about her daughter. 
Before we meet the actresses, we meet the upstairs neighbor, Mr. Bobinski. And I just want to throw out the Bobinski puppet was so top heavy that an extra apparatus was used to hold him in place and keep him from falling over during animation. <laughs> there was another thing I saw and I forgot to put in here, but there's a some like a patch on his chest or somewhere there's a thing that like, oh, a metal or something. And what it was for was specifically for like the cleanup of Chernobyl. so they think that's what would explain you know why he's so odd and the color of his skin i figured it was just one of those kind of obnoxious neighbors that never stops exercising even when they're talking to you they're just kind of jogging on the spot and you you feel this kind of secondhand guilt and embarrassment and yeah like i should i should be running right now when i when i see you running that kind of neighbor I hate feeling guilted into exercise. He has one of my favorite lines of this whole movie, though, when he's like, the music go oompa oompa, but the mushkas only want to go doodle doot. <laughs> which is oof. nice. Is, which is nice. <laughs> Here, have beat. Make you strong. She keeps getting like, pushed Bobinski. with like vegetables. Yes. <laughs> which is a nightmare for kids. <laughs> Okay, it's not drugs, it's, it's vegetables. <laughs> I saw a thing the other day. It was like, nobody likes your kids enough to give them free drugs. <laughs> uh, Maybe a I beat. love him. I just love Bobinski so much. You quote Bobinski so often. I do. I do quote Bobinski a lot. I love him. And uh, he almost impales his penis on a... Uh, gardening oh my god what are those things called i'm sitting here just like squeezing my hand helplessly (laughs) the pruning shear things great great little visual gag and he tells her the mice asked me to give you a message they are saying do not go through little door yeah they never explain how he communicates with the mice or like does he have some connection to the but like obviously he really does because he's like they even call you Coraline, not Mm -hmm. caroline at all maybe i work them too hard great stuff so like they really do talk to him and i i just think that's precious uh then we finally meet the i'm not going to say the mvp of the movie because that is terry hatcher but um we meet the actresses miss spink and miss forcible sean since you're the newest to this movie what do you think of these i (laughs) love characters so the first time i watched it they were my favorite part (laughs) other than the cat i love the cat and the fact that it was keith david other than like and so i i love both don french and jennifer saunders and so the first time i watched it i was like oh my god that sounds like that sounds like don french and jennifer saunders and i of course was right and if anybody's listening don french did a tv show called the vicar of dibley which was a favorite of mine and my parents when I was growing up. And Jennifer Saunders does, uh, has a show called Ab Fab, um, or Absolutely Fabulous, which a lot of people will know. And then she also is the voice of the fairy godmother in Shrek 2, which... Yeah, that's my big Jennifer Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone bring me something deep fried and smothered in chocolate. Like, she had life. She got it. Like, <laughs> And we can't forget her impressive, wonderful rendition of I Need a Hero. That's so good. Where have all the good men gone? 
<laughs> yes, we've had it. We, we, we know the song, Sean. <laughs> I just love how she does it. The beginning so of good. it. Great voice performance. In the initial recording session, Don French played the role of Miss Spink and Jennifer Saunders played Miss Forcible. However, director Henry Selick wasn't satisfied with the result, so he had French and Saunders switch roles and re-record their parts. These second recordings were used in the film, which might explain why the characters resemble the actress who did not provide the voice. Mm-hmm. That's why that I was. I, that's why I find it funny because they don't like the character. Both characters look like the other person, and I think it's funny because also Saunders and French they were a very well known comedy duo in the late eighties, early nineties, and that's how Abfab and. I think the Vicar of Dibley also is a spinoff of, of their of their comedy sh- sketches, so it's just funny seeing like the character that kind of looks like Don French speak like Jennifer Saunders, and the one that looks like Jennifer Saunders speak like Don French. <laughs> yeah, it's very like wait what? I love it, love them. They're great. Uh, <laughs> my favorite interaction from this first scene with them is when she's reading the tea leaves and she's like, oh, you are a terrible danger. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have decided, Mitchell and I have talked about this, Miss Forcible and Miss Spink are going to be Mitchell and I when we're old mm-hmm. and living as roommates because we can't find anybody to love us with our million pets. And the way they argue about everything, and just like, it's so funny. Uh, love them. Love them so much. What do you think of them, Sean? Oh, I think they're pretty iconic. I'd like to have like, kind of figures of them, you know, just to put on my desk. Oh, like with their dog as well. I don't know yeah. how their dog is <laughs> perpetually like surprised looking with their antics, but not. It's just sort of resigned to it. <laughs> I also love the names of their like. <laughs> it almost sounds like porn. Um, Julius <laughs> sees her, <laughs> King Lear. Spelled L-E-E-R. E-R, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, honestly, brilliant. But, like, it's just funny. You know, we don't get enough burlesque anymore. I would have loved kids to have seen just... That should have been a special feature. Yeah. yeah it's kind of cool to have those, like, characters. It's like, oh, old people, like, kind of were young once. And it's just that kind of yeah. reminder. It's like, oh, that kind of awkward moment. <laughs> a horrifying reminder. This is going to be us one day. <laughs> Uh, and uh then we go out into the fog and hunt some slugs with yb because you know i guess she doesn't have a lot else to do would you ever put a slug on your top lip no for a fun picture it could move it's not great with boundaries it it would just move (laughs) slugs aren't great (laughs) with boundaries (laughs) so on the slug on face where where is your boundary like if it touches the lip like if it moves at all (laughs) you just like have the salt at the ready like if you move (laughs) so uh, i did put salt on a slug once when i was a child and it scarred me so badly that's why you're such a monster um. <laughs> no, that's why I'm like, and never kill any animal because it's just uh, so upsetting. And I'm like, why do people do this? Like, why? What do slugs do that are so bad that you have to salt things so they don't get on there? Like, that is so cruel. You might as well throw acid on them. Terrible, terrible. 
Just let creatures be. Just maybe stay out of my CPAP centipedes. I'll get over that one day. I really will. Uh, Coraline hangs out with him and they do the whole slug thing. And uh, she complains that he's just like her parents because they don't listen to him either. Because, again, everybody thinks she's crazy because who's going to believe this kid? That She's like, I go through this weird little door at night and there's my other family. It does sound a little bit. A little bit of a stretch. Do you think Coraline would have wanted to eat this dinner made with the cheddar that she sent down with a mouse? She shouldn't, but I think in, like if the alternative is the vegetables, I think she would. Like, it is cheese. And it's cooked. I'm sure the germs would be, like, yeah. gone after you cook it. Like, ratatouille kind of did a lot for, like, rat, rat produced food. <laughs> <laughs> He did do a lot of rehabilitating the image of rats everywhere. She sends her out to the garden, and this is one of my favorite sequences in the movie, and it's so gorgeous on 4K. I, uh, It's so amazing. Sean, do you remember the first time you saw Coraline and what you thought when you saw this scene? Oh, with like the kind of the orange flowers and the dad with the praying mantis. I think it's like a yeah. lawnmower. Yeah, I, re- I really love that scene. I think it's one of the nicest looking scenes in the film. I think the flowers are like the shape of her face as well. Yeah, the flower. I love that. I love that the flowers all like make a Coraline little painting in the yard. It's so fun. And it's bright and it's nighttime at the same time. And you don't get that many like animated nighttime scenes like that in, in kids' yeah. films. Like a lot of it's kind of like sunny or it's like set in the woods or some kind of fantasy setting. But you don't like see that many nighttime scenes. Yeah, especially not a really colorful nighttime scene. Yeah. Plus, I mean, just in general, especially now, watching a nighttime scene you don't usually see is just... Whoa, what? What are they doing? If it was made now, we probably wouldn't be able to see it at all because lighting no, is just terrible at, at the moment. Yeah, I think they just stopped. That's how they could save money. They don't obviously utilize people to work on the lighting. So just like fire all the lighting people. Yeah, and they have these like really nice I, sets and it's like, what's the point if no one can see them? And like a lot of people say, yeah. oh, you're getting old. You can't see anymore. But I mean, if we, if we go back and watch an older film and we can see it, that just proves that, <laughs> that argument. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going fine. <laughs> just got my eyes tested. My glasses are fine. Thank you. <laughs> he, the dad puts this creepy line. Mother said you'd like it. She knows you like the back of her hand. I just think so many of the line deliveries of his characters take this like innocuous statement and make it so creepy. Yeah, if you kind of like watch it again and realize that they're evil and like even if you're watching it like as an adult, you you realize they're evil straight away. It all sounds really sinister. Everything they say is like a double meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the mother's like, oh, you've got a friend. You can go upstairs and it's other YB and he doesn't talk because I thought you'd like it more if he spoke a little less. So I fixed him and like pats him and it's the creepiest thing ever. Coraline's not freaked out by this like she should be. No matter how annoying you no, find someone if you suddenly silenced by somebody else. <laughs> I would ask questions. Yeah. She's just like, oh sweet, he doesn't talk anymore. Uh, yeah there's a lot of this and i mean being in a world where like the people have buttons for eyes like shouldn't that just some like freak you out yeah like that kind of fundamental fear of losing your eyes or going blind and that's like, like really freudian like if that's kind of some somebody will come along and hurt your eyes or take them away kind of taps into that fear 
Yeah, absolutely. But I also feel like this is the first time that Coraline is feeling seen the whole movie. Yeah, and everyone's blind. Because, like, it is... Everyone <laughs> is blind to incredibly her. disturbing element. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, everything is being tailored to what she's wanting. Like, she wants all of this, like, as as disturbing as it is, like, the other mother is paying attention to what she wants. And not just, like forcing her into whatever box or whatever whatever they're trying to get her to do and i think that's one of the things that like really Coraline is like oh like like oh yeah i don't like yb well he doesn't need to talk okay cool you know like it's these are all for her this is just fantasy she's thinking she's either dreaming or she's in some world where like people are actually noticing what she wants and i think for her that it, it takes if you had the ability to go to a place where, like, pretty much whatever you wanted was what was being done, like, sometimes it's hard to look past that world. Even if you're seeing a lot of shit on the surface. Are you feeling seen, Sean? I feel like you're, <laughs> this is really upsetting you with this movie. <laughs> I'm really what? I said, are you feeling seen? It seems like this is really upsetting <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm just saying, in general, when she's just doesn't, at least this is how I took it, was like, she doesn't feel seen. So the fact that the other mother is actually recognizing what she wants, and she, yes, she's twisting them around, but like, to get her way, but for Coraline, like, she just sees it as, you know, like, oh, somebody's actually finally saw who I am and what I want. It's kind of like how, how horror protagonists like overlook the these kind of horrifying details to get what they want. It's like if the family move into a new house that's really huge and it was really cheap. Somebody died in the basement ten years before, but like that's fine. It's fine. It was a good Don't deal. worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Like sometimes you do, like bad things happen everywhere, so sometimes you just gotta accept what you got, especially if it's something you want. Uh, I know we all know how much I don't like Insidious, but I do really appreciate the fact that they immediately dip. <laughs> it's like, nope, we're moving. It's like about time somebody did that in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> but the, that was the biggest problem plot twist for me in that movie. That they actually went somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, no, this is this ain't it. <laughs> so then oh, you realize you're the problem. The... <laughs> it's not the house, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why i don't like insidious it's just like uh i don't like being reminded that it's me uh speaking of problems chicken pooping popcorn i <laughs> love this bobinski sequence it's so creepy i actually quite love the chicken pooping popcorn i think that's a wonderful touch I would love, I don't even like popcorn, and I'm like, if I had a popcorn machine that looked like a chicken and the popcorn came out of the butt, I'd eat eat that. That's amazing. Love it. Love this scene. What do y'all think of it? I think it looks like something that Bobinski would make. Like, it's definitely kind of a him thing. But I also feel like it's kind of, it's funny, because it feels like it's a mix of Bobinski and also Coraline's, like, imagination for what the circus will be. Dude, the little mice creep me out so much. Something about the way they move, I find deeply upsetting. They remind me of the rabbits in Us because, like, mice and kind of bunnies are meant to be kind of cute, and then they just take on this sinister quality. Yeah, I will say it almost. They kind of remind me of the way that mice are used in uh, 
um oh my god the nutcracker <laughs> like ballet Ooh. um it's just like it's cute music and everything but it's like really upsetting i don't like it it's unsettling i really like it i'm I know I'm sending mixed me- messages, but I like it because it's upsetting. It's like how Indiana Jones is scared of the rats. I'm seeing like a tub full of these guys and him freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the next day, the door is locked. And uh, she locked it. We will later find out because she's like, well, one, rat droppings. Two, I just thought you'd feel safer. And mom won't even buy her the gloves that are on sale. Like, monster monstrous they're on sale mom she's not trying to get a toy it's cold buy the fucking gloves it's interesting that she wants the gloves because nobody else in the school will have them because a lot of the the kind of kid protagonists want to fit in and there'll be something different about mm-hmm. them whereas Coraline is going against the grain that way and wants to stand out but it could be like the kind of attention thing that she wants from her parents she wants to kind of stand out in that way too exactly if she looks like everyone else she's gonna get she's gonna be seen as just part of part of the crowd so i think Coraline likes to stand out because she feels like she's not being seen at all Um, and that just leads us back to it and like not wanting to kind of blend into the new environment because she feels some kind of loyalty to her where she used to live Mm -hmm. and uh speaking of child abuse a mustard ketchup salsa wrap <laughs> is not an acceptable meal. I am sorry. I understand you're having money struggles. <laughs> Think of something. Just the wrap would have been better. The only reason <laughs> I'm laughing is because, like, my fridge is literally 90% condiments. <laughs> like, there's, like, water, there's some cheese. <laughs> water is not a condiment, Sean. <laughs> No, I'm saying those are the, the things that are not condiments. So, like, there's water, cheese, um, and I have some lunch meat, but then the rest of it is, like, condiments. Like, like two different kinds of mustard, a bunch of different hot sauces, Thai chili sauce. Like, I, I love my condiments. <laughs> so, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah. When I'm, when I'm real low on money, then I'll just be like, oh, well, I guess we're just going to, you know, piece of bread with whenever some I feel, sauce whenever i feel faint i'll just have a cube of cheese <laughs> yeah. it's like the menu the where cubes. there's no bread it's just like butter and all the things that come with it <laughs> as someone who really likes bread that seems hard <laughs> this emulsion is cracked i love the menu so much did you like it sean yeah i really loved it unless you're asking the other sean i was asking i couldn't remember yeah. if sean saw my sean saw it I did not. Oh, well. I think you'd really like it. Um, where was that? Where was that? Oh, I do feel bad for the parents a little bit, though. The mom's face when she's like, when the, when Coraline's like, that's what you always say. Like, her face when she was turning out of the kitchen, like, I want to do better and provide for my child, but, like, we just are really struggling right now, and she just looks so disappointed and hurt. Yeah, Coraline is harsher on the mom than the dad. And like I remember seeing that show Pen Fifteen that kind of looked at the internalized misogyny that kids might have towards their moms growing up compared to their dads. They see the dads as like the fun ones and they kind of blame the mom for everything. And then when they get older, they realize, oh wow, that was just internalized sexism. I remember looking at that and just thinking, wow, that's actually a thing that like happens to kids. Yeah, and I do want to point out. I think a lot of this movie obviously is from Coraline's perspective, so I almost wonder if the parents really aren't being as 
horrible as you know we are maybe seeing i wonder if this is just like this is how Coraline feels this is how Coraline sees her parents rather than like what's actually going on it's something i've thought about during this yeah like if the the other is the other world imaginary or is the real one kind of imaginary as well like elements of it yeah like she's just feeling like they're not paying attention to her so what we see is they're just like blah 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 whereas really like it might just be a normal home and things are just a little tough and this is just like because by the end of it you know she really does like i missed you guys like she really did and suddenly uh, they're nice again kind of more attentive yeah and it's like maybe they were like always nice and attentive she just didn't like appreciate it i don't know i just like that you can read some things into this um, kind of boundary between like realism and imaginary is getting like increasingly yeah. porous yeah and stuff especially with like children's stuff perspective plays a really big part and like okay what is this like we're seeing this from a child perspective and how does a child see things versus like an adult or an old person or like you know it's just it's different i like when movies play with that with stories no like maybe the two kind of old women that live nearby like aren't as like outrageous as they like as that is just how like a young person would see an old person it's like more kind of exaggerated looking than they really are yeah her mom goes to the store because she even realizes we can't have uh mustard ketchup salsa wraps and so Coraline goes and opens the little door and it's real the blue lights are there the tunnel expands she can go into the vagina she can go into the vagina she crawls through it Am, am I wrong? Is this not a very <laughs> vaginal passageway? No, it absolutely is. It's just funny. So she goes into the other world and she meets the cat after she gets a brand new outfit from the other mother made just for her since she was pissy that she wasn't able to get new gloves. And the cat talks and she's like, you're the other cat. And it's like, no, I'm just me. And she's like, well, cats can't talk. And it's like, oh, okay. And he tells her, you probably think this world is a dream come true, but you're wrong. And uh, Coraline still isn't picking up on things and goes to visit the other Miss Spink Enforceable and what I consider maybe the highlight of the entire movie. <laughs> What do you think of uh, their burlesque show, either of you? It's just such a shock that there are other people inside, like, human skin suits. It's that really <laughs> I didn't expect that. But it makes sense that they're, like, I don't know, 110 and they can just swing across the stage. And, yeah. <laughs> and the audience are just all dogs as well. Or unless they're all the same dog, like being John Malkovich, and like it's just he just fills the. Uh, the I love being John Malkovich it's, so it's much. It's amazing, <laughs> but it's like that in like dog form because the same dog is like in every seat. I, the first time I saw this, I'm pretty sure my jaw just like dropped because you know this <laughs> is a children's film and everything, and as Coraline says, she's practically naked. <laughs> I'm like, this is a kids movie, and it's like seeing that in the cinema was risque. awkward. It's. You can hear a kid like in the background going, why? <laughs> it's, it is. 
It's just not expected. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when I went and saw it a couple months ago, obviously because it was a retrospective, most of the people that were there were like adults, not like people necessarily with their kids. Or it's, you know, something they would have seen at home and they're like, couldn't see it. So it wasn't people's like first time seeing Coraline. But yeah, I couldn't imagine like you're there with your kids and everything. And then all of a sudden there's like an old lady with her titties out with like little tiny seashells on them. <laughs> singing about like, you smell like the fishes, which I think is a hilarious line. Like, were they like the actual bodies of old women that they wore as clothes or are they like, you know, like. I don't know, rubber costumes or something. Like, how, how dark is this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it's flesh. <laughs> like a Norman Bates kind of thing if he decided to do, like, home theater or something. <laughs> so more like uh, Buffalo Bill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's apt. I was watching Silence of the Lambs yesterday, so. That's so good. Right there. Oh, yeah. Rude. <laughs> we were going to watch that together. I'm sorry. I wanted to watch it and you were at a wedding. So you made your choices. <laughs> Rude. Uh, my favorite thing is when they're climbing out onto the <laughs> thing at the ceiling and they're like with their little walkers, you know, tottering out and just like our lives for the theater. <laughs> 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 it's great great stuff great great scene like they turn back into their original form afterwards and do they just put on the costumes again and live like that or something? <laughs> they were secret little old ladies you know why didn't like the twilight vampires do that they could like just get things so it would look like they were aging and so they could just go through life through all the stages and then be like whoop and then go back and start over somewhere else so they wouldn't have to move every, like, four years so they could go back to high school. Yeah, Edward just wanted to be in school all the time. He was he was a weird guy. He's like, I just have to get five more caps for this wall art, you know? He's the eternal student. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the dream. Eternal life. You can go to school forever. <laughs> <laughs> the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It's all I ever learned. So uh, this is when things really get a little bit dark. She's presented with a choice by the other mother. You could stay here forever if you want to. There's just one tiny little thing we need to do for you, our little doll. You know, just say, sure, we can put buttons on your eyes. That's all it takes. I personally would not make that choice, and Coraline seems a little... uh if he honored herself after other dads like so sharp you won't feel a thing <laughs> great great stuff i don't know if that's comforting or not but he tried she's like oh uh, i'm i'm gonna go to bed <laughs> and uh, when she wakes up she's still there yeah that was quite scary yeah i'm like i feel like that's when she's really feeling worried I'm just impressed she was able to go to sleep after they're like, let's sew buttons in your eyes. Yeah, it's I wouldn't fine. sleep after that. I mean, it's hard enough to fall asleep, but falling asleep after that happened, is, it's just no. Yeah, like they're right downstairs. <laughs> How do you know they're not going to do it It could come in at any time you know? when there's no lock on the door. Yeah, <laughs> it's really upsetting. <laughs> what if they removed her eyes while she's sleeping? Oh, I'm just adding another worry like into an already worrying situation. 
I think it's good to think of all the possibilities. Thank you. Thank you for that, Sean. <laughs> I'm here to make everything worse. Don't even... Just, you know, when you go to sleep, just don't even think about someone taking your eyes and sewing buttons. It's n- totally, you're fine. You're fine. It's really horrifying when she sees the dad like plunking away at the piano and he's like, mustn't talk when mother's not here. And then mentions that YB, he pulled a long face and like he pulls his face like way down. It's really upsetting. It's like the Beetlejuice kind of jaw dropping scene here. Yeah. And Coraline's finally like, okay, I, I should probably, probably go maybe. And, uh, she tries to leave. She can't. The world is um, not not okay. Yeah, the way it kind of vanishes when she gets to like one point. Yeah. And, like I don't know if that's like a common fear in kids, but I used to think that like I would open the door to my kitchen and it would just be like a void, like kind of out of space without the stars. It's like what if this whole thing is kind of a construct? I was five, but yeah, I was. Uh, I, I wasn't worried about that, kid. but I kind of am now. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> it's fine. I talked to my therapist on Friday. I'll just put it on her. <laughs> Your poor therapist. I know. My poor therapist. She, you know, Chris Jenner works hard, but my therapist works harder. <laughs> and the cat's like, yeah, she only made what she knew would impress you and uh, all this stuff and tells Coraline because they're like, She's like, what is she? What the fuck does she want? And she's like, oh, she just wants something to love, I think. Something that isn't her. Or maybe she just loves something to eat. And um, if you weren't already horrified, maybe start getting horrified. And she goes back and uh, finds the other mother who doesn't quite look the same. It's just kind of like a boss in a, in a game. It's like, you know, where you get to the different like stages of defeating the boss. Yeah. And they kind of evolve and get scarier. I love the other mother's evolution. It's so creepy. Yeah, she looks like a spider. Mm-hmm. I think spiders are so scary anyway. So maybe yeah. that's part of the reason <laughs> I think Coraline's <laughs> terrifying. But yeah. just like... <laughs> <laughs> no, she's just terrifying. It's, it's, it's in general. And I do love, like, even earlier, the dress you were mentioning that you really love, Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's shaped like a spider. Like, her clothes and stuff gets more, like, spider-like as the movie goes on. It's like she, she definitely and... had a tailor. Yeah. <laughs> An excellent tailor, honestly. Yeah, her mind. She's manifesting it, remember? You, you could do a group costume where you do, like, the different stages of um, the other mother's evolution. Ugh, that'd be cool. That would involve friends, though. Yeah. Like... There's a show called... Uh, there's a show called um, Dragula. I love like drag race and there's a show called dragula which is like kind of like horror based drag horror science fiction camp <laughs> no um but they did one and it was called um horror icons reimagined and they did like one of them did like the like a xenomorph and another one of them did like elvira and all these and one of them who did the other mother and it's like they're a Korean queen, and it was really good. I would definitely look it up, even if you just look up the. Yeah, I was like, please. I'm just looking at it now. You know, I'm never gonna fucking watch it. Yeah, and like, uh, it was Hoso Teratoma, is the name of the queen, and they did the other mother, and it was really good. And they're not my favorite. Like their art is amazing, and 
like, but, and it wasn't my favorite of the episode, but it was really good. I would like to see that. That would actually be maybe something I would check out. That does sound cool. I want to see you horror reimagined with drag queens it's really well done i keep telling you about it but you keep judging me i just don't like reality stuff i hate it oh i hate the drama too i don't watch it for the drama i don't like i don't like drama unless it's in a movie and even then if it's embarrassing drama i i can't you know that yeah (laughs) sean sean can't handle secondhand embarrassment (laughs) and it makes me so sad that he will never ever watch shiva baby Oh, I haven't seen that. I want to. It looks good. Oh, get on HBO and watch it. You'll be so grateful. I mean, I'm I'm already like living in perpetual embarrassment. I think it won't make any difference. I can just enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> so just beyond just shame. Like, oh, poor Sean. He'll never enjoy this. No, nope. So that's why I don't like. I don't watch a like. I don't watch like that kind of reality competition for the drama. I watch it for the art. I love the art. And that honestly, Horror Icons Reimagined is a really good episode. I think you'd like I think you'd like the floor show they did. Uh, I mean, send me send me the episode and I'll watch it. I love the colors with the other, other mother and all the like neon bugs furniture sitting around it's so cool that reminded me of a squid game do you know how you had like human furniture in that is this is like giant bugs that are furniture and have to kind of act as furniture for the other money i actually only first saw the first like couple episodes of squid game okay like a picture of a person kind of um like doing that kind of crab yoga pose and like then you use that as a coffee table and put like like your tea and coffee on their stomach because they have to hold like that position it's that's what it looks like it's pretty horrifying such a workout yeah the only context i have for that was in that episode of westworld where uh the character of charlotte goes and just like chair and the people around just like instantly formed yeah chair throne thing for her oh my god which honestly (laughs) icon behavior (laughs) yeah it was uh i love her so much so sad we didn't get a last season yeah i'm curious about what I know it just left off and I'm just like just give us one more just wrap it up it just gave us season one or the fourth seasons yeah just don't don't stop it yes exactly (laughs) Uh, the journey of Westworld it was it was something quite a time also if you want to check your phone real quick I just sent you the gift of Hoso oh that's creepy I like it Mm -hmm. (laughs) do like that that's really good i told you it was a really good other mother it's upsetting it made me kind of want to cry a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and her mother after eating moving cocoa beetles from zanzibar throws her into a mirror and tells her she can come out when she learns to be a loving daughter and uh we meet the little ghost children which is my least favorite part of the movie i don't know how you guys feel about the scene with the little ghost kids yeah, it's kind of yeah. out there, separate from the, the immediate plot. It's just the tone feels different from mm-hmm. everything else. It feels like I understand that it's like a necessary plot point. Yeah. But it just kind of is like, hmm, this is the scene that I'm just going to like check my phone. Like she's, she's <laughs> done this before. We kind of know that. And we just, yeah. we just know that it's happening to Coraline and that's scary as it is. Yeah. We find out that she spied on our lives through the little doll's eyes. And saw that we weren't happy. I do love the ghost children's like line delivery. I think it's very, very funny. 
<laughs> yeah, they sound kind of bored. <laughs> <laughs> and she tells the uh, the ghosts tell her like to find their eyes, and then their souls will be freed. Which again is kind of heavy for a children's film, but you know. And YB, other YB saves her. And I love that these other, like the other YB and the other father, like they're still kind of sympathetic and have their own like agenda, even though they were created by the other mother. And I just find that kind of fascinating. Well, but I feel like they almost take on representations of like, they are creations of the other mother, but they're also representations of Coraline's memory of them. So it, makes sense that i i don't know it does feel like it's kind of like oh your manifestations aren't exactly like <laughs> you're not in control of them but maybe they're only <laughs> which is also horrifying on a level yeah, right. how do the other mother's puppets become kind of sentient and get their own consciousness why are they more advanced than like right. the other dad well the other dad is a pumpkin yeah he's a pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> so it just feels i don't know it just feels like she she takes the ideas, but the idea, like, it, they get some of their personality from the ideas or from who Coraline sees them to be. Yeah, I like that. I will say, to add another level of horror this, other than, you know, eyes being taken and but replaced with buttons, YB with his, like, so- sewed mouth into the smile is horrifying. Yeah. That's like Pan's Labyrinth as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, double feature this with Pan's Labyrinth. You'll have a really upsetting night, but it'll be beautiful. And uh, she gets free and uh, goes back out, and uh, her parents are gone. Just gone. The groceries are rotted. And, uh, you know, that's such a... Obviously, in Home Alone, Kevin McAllister was happy when his parents disappeared, but that's, like, kind of a scary thing if you're a little kid and your parents disappear yeah so the whole like, premises of skin and marinka is like the, the biggest fear when you're a kid is that you'll just wake up and everyone's gone yeah and also the doors and windows disappear and yeah. there's something there <laughs> <laughs> i Ugh. hate it when i get skin and <laughs> <laughs> you have both eyes you because you still have your eyes and mouth so I, I figure you're okay they were taken in that as well yeah they were <laughs> yeah uh, it's so upsetting. I'm trying to decide <laughs> if I so want to like revisit that for Halloween because I'm like I'm gonna rewatch the Outwaters because that's probably gonna become a thing. But I'm like Skinnerink. I don't know if I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> when I so saw it the upsetting. first time with the lights on and I didn't see anything, and then when I watched it in the dark, I mean that should literally be like a disclaimer at the beginning of the film: watch this in the dark, otherwise you'll miss the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real YB comes over and is like um. By the way, Grandma wants that wants that doll back, and Coraline's telling him everything that happened, and YB's just kind of like, um, you're you're crazy. I'm gonna go, and I really love that about YB. <laughs> so she goes to be like, all right, I'm gonna go find Miss Pink and Miss Forcible and tell them what happens, and they're making <laughs> making an outfit for a dead dog on a live dog, and they're. <laughs> just looking ahead dear and their parents apparently see this they're not all bad they were gonna go take these little lady neighbors to the theater and that seems like a nice thing to do i don't know if i'd be that nice to a neighbor um but because they're not able to (laughs) she's like 
well, I guess we'll have to walk. With your gammy legs, it's nearly two miles to the theater. I just love everything about them. (laughs) They do decide to help Coraline with uh, giving her a little talisman. And the scene of her busting this taffy up with, like, sewing needles gets such a huge laugh out of me. I don't know if it makes you guys laugh, but I I think it's extremely funny. It is. Mm -hmm. It is funny. It's just like, ah, chop, 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 chop. (laughs) Coraline makes a little pillow doll parents to sleep with while she cries. And I just love that she takes a little thing and makes even a little neck brace for her her mom. (laughs) It's so cute. And uh, she tries burning and she finds a little voodoo doll thing of her parents. And she's like, oh, that's how she took them. And thankfully, she does try to burn it. You know, got some got some ideas there. It's what I would have tried with, you know, the doll of her. But, you know, can't all get it right the first time. Doesn't do anything, though. And so she goes off to the other world one last time. Because she got to save her parents. Because little kids can't... Pay rent for themselves or cook with rotten food. Like they had any food in that house. <laughs> well, they had, did. They got groceries, but they went rotten. And it's really sad. And that rotten food looked really gross. It was very well animated, though. Again, production in this movie is top tier. The cat does tell her, like, she's got a thing for games. Like, get her to play a game with you. She won't play fair, but, like, she'll do it. And I love when she gets there, what the other mother says to her. I think it is so funny when she's like, where are my parents? Um, the other mother tells her, gosh, I have no idea where your old parents are. Perhaps they've gone bored of you and ran away to France. <laughs> Which I think is a objectively hilarious thing to tell a child. Very mean, but very funny. It's definitely something you hear from other kids when you're a kid. Was oh, it something yeah, I heard? Absolutely. I mean, they just knew terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> it was just you. Only only your parents would have. I was a target for that very specific form of bullying. <laughs> and uh, we find out there's only one key, and she swallows it and sends the dad off. And um, I do love him being like, squish, squash, pumpkin song. It just, I love the deformed dad. Just the forms of the characters I find really interesting in their evolution. And Coraline's like, hey, let's let's play a game. I want to play a game. Yeah. Uh, oh, did you like Saltenshan? Or Saltenshan? Oh, so I, I haven't seen that yet, but um, I love the first Saw movie. I think that's one of like, the best horror movies I've seen. And I really like Spiral as well, and I've seen all the sequels, so I think uh, Saw X should be pretty good. I know I probably shouldn't like Spiral unless it's a cancelable opinion okay, on Spiral Twitter. Spiral is one of my least rated movies on Letterboxd. Yeah, everyone I hates it. Hate Spiral so much. <laughs> well, I know a few people that like it. I just probably, don't probably just two or like three it. in the whole world. But yeah, I re- it's my second favorite Saw movie. And then I think six is my third, and I don't know how I'd rank the others. A six is really fun. I just think it's such a soapy franchise. I love the soap opera ridiculous nep- ne- ridiculousness of it. Oh, Jesus, I can't talk. Yeah, we're not really in it for the gore. It's, it's all the kind of the lore and the plot twists and how insane yeah. this all kind of is. It's like <laughs> I'm fascinated by what he's going to do. And... The gore is just like a secondary plus of it's like what sort of going to put people yeah. through. But yeah, like saw X and I saw Amanda in the trailer and I'm like, oh my God, Amanda's back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she makes a bet with the other mother that if she can find the three ghost children's eyes and her parents, 
then she gets to like everybody gets to go free. And if she loses, she'll stay here with the other mother forever and let her love her and sew buttons into her eyes. So stakes are pretty high. And uh, the other <laughs> Is that mother what we're gives her a hint. Yeah. <laughs> Stakes are really high. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Pretty high. The mother does give her a hint, though. She tells her, in each of three wonders, I've made just for you a ghost high is lost in plain sight. Gives her no hint for the parents and then dips out. And so we go off to the garden again. And she has to defeat the other father in a uh, his little praying mantis tractor. And the flowers and everything are out to get her. But she gets it because the other father is, again, somehow sympathetic and gives her the eye as he's falling into oblivion. And it was hidden inside the little gear shift. And uh, so one eye down, she's off to another creepy place. And we go to visit Miss Spink and Miss Forcible in their theater. How creepy did you find this? This is the sc- such a scary part. Like, this taffy monster is terrifying. <laughs> and it's such kind of like a, you know, like, sweets and candy or a thing that kids really like, and it's just turning something that they like into something quite scary. That's kind of sadistic, which is cool. Yeah, I love sadism and scaring children. <laughs> yeah. Great. great stuff. I think it's Oral Stein's birthday today, by the way. Um, oh, really? Just, well, it just feels birthday, quite after. Yeah. I don't know him yeah. personally. It's just I know him. His Twitter bio is like scaring kids is my job. Something funny like that. That's it's great. I wasn't allowed to read him when I was a kid, and then I was too old to I think appreciate them. And I was always really sad that I missed out on that part of growing up that I think I would have really really enjoyed. No, I watched the show. I mean, I remember the show way more than the books. And just kind of like that. Again, I was a reader, and, and we didn't yeah. have TV, so like my only thing I could have done was like read the books and. I was one of those kids who were like sitting in front of the TV with like the brain melting into like smoothie and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would watch like movies that were allowed, but your brain didn't melt into mango milkshake. It's probably already uh, has. Uh, <laughs> I did greatly love the Fear Street trilogy that Netflix did a few years back, though. I thought that was very, very fun. So I feel like that was the R.L. Stein thing that I'll get out of my life is that. The first and third for me. In that trilogy, I thought it was the strongest. Yeah, I didn't love the second one myself. I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah, the first and third by far. It was a fun little thing. Do you think that's how they're going to release the Strangers trilogy? Because I think I read a thing on a first look somewhere that they were all going to be released next year. And so I wonder if they're going to do them like a month apart or. Yeah, I was wondering what that even was. Was it like a mini series or movies? And then I was like, oh, are they going to just like have these planned released annually? But the kind of releasing them one month apart makes sense. Yeah, I'm so curious because I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be streaming. I think it's going to be theatrical. So that'll be kind of crazy having like a trilogy of films released really close together. Yeah, I mean, I, I, is that unprecedented? I've, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Yeah. And the only time I've even seen that happen, like, on streaming is with Fear Street. And I thought that was super cool. Unless they're just kind of doing the Barbieheimer thing where you spend the day at the cinema. Yeah, I did not watch them in the same same day. No, I, I didn't either. I watched, like, I watched Barbie very late at night and then Oppenheimer, like, the next afternoon. I got but a I morning ticket to see Barbie. to breathe, yeah. Did you like Oppenheimer? 
I didn't get to see it, so um, I know streaming next month. So mm. I'm way behind. I didn't love else. it, but I'm in the very small minority, so yeah, I mean, it's fine. can't it's say fine that on Twitter that you don't like Oppenheimer. I mean, you'd be careful. I know. I have. I have said that on Twitter because I don't give a fuck, and I've got like 500 followers, so it's not like there's that many people it's that like are going to be outraged. Either but... way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't lose any from it, though. I'm just like, you know, I think it was very technically well done. It just was not for me and whatever. I think I would have liked it. It seemed like something that would be made that I would like, but it just didn't work for me. I'll maybe revisit it again sometime because maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for it. I don't know. But, yeah. Oppenheimer. That's what I thought. And so she defeats the Taffy sisters with the vampire terriers. And uh, finds the other eye. So she has two down. And uh, again, the ghost children voices crack me up. The one little girl that's like, her web is unwinding. <laughs> like they just sound... <laughs> It's great. Absolutely great. And uh, so she goes to the third wonder to go see Mr. Babinski. And uh, it's telling her, you'll just go home and be bored and neglected. Same as always. And she claps back with, you're not even a copy of the, you're just a copy of the real Mr. B. And I hate how rap Mr. B moves. It's so upsetting the way, like, it's just, oh, I hate it. I hate everything about it. And uh, he's like, I'm not even that anymore. And reveals that it's just made of rats. His clothes collapsed, made of rats. And she doesn't get this eye. The rat out, outwits her, gets away. And Mr. Cat, for the win, saves her. Go, Mr. Cat. Yeah, cats are great. Yeah, I'm glad they made the cat like good in this. Like, you know, they sometimes know. they make cats evil in movies, and it's just really stupid. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, see why they a, just it's single black out cat. It's a good yeah. black cat. Yeah, like Binks and Hocus Pocus. Salem is kind of evil yeah. in Sabrina, but he's kind of evil in a funny way. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, Salem's evil is funny, and it's, well, it's totally. But funny. Salem was also turned into a cat in in Sabrina because he was trying to. He was going for world domination. But he was very cute, um, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and his voice actor was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before before we find out that the cat saved her and got the eye back, Coraline announces, I've lost the game, and now so did all of you. I don't know if you play that over there, Sean, but anyway, there's a game that you're always playing, but the only way you win is by not thinking about it. Oh, yeah. If you think about it, you lose, and you just have to announce, I just lost the game. So if anybody's around that plays, they have to also lose the game. It's kind of like meditation and, and mindfulness. Yeah. Just just trying to be kind of like calm <laughs> as I'm losing the game. <laughs> it's like five minutes after <laughs> I wake up. Yeah, it gets really frustrating. And just be something that you're just like, oh, God damn it, I just lost the game. Now that she has all the ghost eyes accounted for, the world outside is falling apart and just turning to white. And so she runs inside with one game left to play. She has to find her parents. The other mother, I just love her so much. And she's just like, so you're back and you brought vermin with you about the cat. (laughs) When you bring your friends (laughs) home from school. My parents were slightly nicer when I brought friends home, I guess. Yeah, mine were too. <laughs> you brought vermin just, with you. You know it's just Jake. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like you get to heaven, your ex is there, and it's like, huh, see, you got rats. 
the other mother has found the talisman and throws it in the fire and burns it. So she doesn't have this little extra, extra little bonus in her thing. And the ghost eyes remind her that even if she wins, she'll never let her go. And so she's like, hey, my parents, they're behind that door, which has been locked and she has the only key. Like, they're right there. And she swallowed it. (laughs) So she hacks it up and is like, ha ha ha. I know you're wrong. Now you're going to stay here forever. And as she uh, is doing that, Coraline notices, thanks to help from the cat, that her parents are trapped inside of a snow globe, you know, as parents are wont to do when you can't find them. Check the snow globes. That's where they usually are, yeah. What is with magical snow globes? Yeah, that's true. It's Mm -hmm. like the kind of magical snow globe trope is something that I didn't realize was a thing until recently. It just pops up everywhere in kids' uh, kids media, media about kids. Yeah, or crimp. snow globes. They're magical little, magical little things. Because it's not something Don't break that, them, like, though, because the glitter sucks. Because like, it's not something you really kind of grow up with this like big importance attached to. It's, it's just such a weird item to focus on. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's that thing that Why you like, get as a souvenir from somewhere that you like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always kind of an underwhelming experience to receive a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> I like them in theory, but yeah, they're definitely underwhelming. Like, I don't wake up thinking about them, <laughs> but I'm not against them either. It's just. <laughs> Let it be known. Men who likes men who like movies, not against snow globes. <laughs> I do love that she's just fucking chucks the cat at her. Yeah. It's, it's just like a weapon. <laughs> Dude, I mean, could you imagine a cat getting chucked at your face? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, ha- it has happened is that they were kind of diving at my face and no one needed to throw them. I have cats. <laughs> they just instinctively, like, notice evil and are just like, ah. Yeah, they leap on passersby and, yeah, it's, it's quite funny. Not for them. <laughs> it's like, me. you know, and let the right one in when she's turning into the vampire and all the cats just, like, <laughs> yeah. attack her, which is a scene that I really am sad that they did not replicate in its entirety for the American remake. <laughs> it's in Inferno it's as well, where this woman just gets good, like attacked by, it seems like thousands of cats, but it's probably like 24. But there's just so many of them. <laughs> and it goes on for so long. Oh, I love Inferno. <laughs> I still have not seen it. I'm behind on a lot of, uh, it's Argento, right? Yeah, I'm behind on a lot of his yeah. movies it's... as well. I haven't seen that many of them. Uh, I've seen the entire Three Mothers trilogy, and uh, I've seen what else have I seen? I saw that god awful Dracula because it was on like Pluto TV or something, and I didn't feel like changing the channel, and <laughs> and so I watched it, and that is hours of my life I'll never get back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't remember. What That's how I feel about Tenet. <laughs> Tenet was so complicated and it didn't really didn't need to be, but yeah. It's... And I feel like it doesn't hold up. I watched it a second time to be like, maybe I didn't really hate it. And nope, still still hated it. I promise I don't hate Christopher Nolan. I really like a lot of his movies. <laughs> That's the, the real point of this, this episode. It's just anti-Christopher <laughs> Nolan propaganda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she chucks the cat straight at her face. Clearly that does not go well. And she ripped the cat rips her, the buttons off of her eyes, which probably is really horrifying to experience. And it is so scary. 
everything turns into like a web that she's falling down. It's just the mother transforms like again at some point into like a truly spider creature. And it's just nightmare fuel, absolute nightmare fuel. Coraline keeps getting stuck on things because that's what happens with spider webs. But I do have to shout out the evil mother. Terry Hatcher's voice performance in this, I just want to say, is phenomenal. Yeah. She's so good. And she plays it so. She plays both roles. Both roles so convincing. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Both roles. And then you're like, roles. Both roles. Roles. So convincingly. And they both feel like completely different people, even though, like, even when the other mother is, like, pretending to be, like, her mom, it feels sinister. Mm-mm. I just specifically love, in this moment, when Coraline gets stuck and then pulls it and you get the little things, like, ding, 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 down to her, and she's just like, ha, 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 ha. Like, it's, such a, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I, I know where you are. <laughs> yeah. Voice actors probably have so much fun because you can just have these ridiculous line deliveries that you couldn't do in other other types of media and Coraline gets away with a little help from the ghost and the other mother's screaming that she'll die without her and her parents are back and in typical fashion don't remember anything and it's it's a bummer but they're like we're going out tonight we've got a lot to celebrate because they finally sold their magazine and can afford to not eat one of dad's unholy creations that night, Sean, did you catch the alien, alien on? No, I didn't. So the dad, like when they're tucking her in, he's playing with her little octopus stuffed animal, but he has it on his oh, face. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't know if you'd pick that up because you know how much you love alien. I do. I do. Also, just want to shout out that night, Coraline's looking at the gloves she wanted. Her mom did go back and buy them for her. So she does pay attention and notice her and remember what she wanted. And I think that's really cute. Yeah, kind of a redemption scene for the mom. Redemption for mom. We don't get redemption for the dad, do we? Nah. The focus was more on the mom. He was playing with her that night. Yeah. Yeah. It was more of like, mom's a horrible person. Dad's just, he's just Ken. The cat forgave her for throwing him at uh, an evil entity. And I think that's really precious because a cat's love is not to be thrown away lightly. And um, she sets the kids free. And it's a very gorgeous, gorgeous scene. Looks kind of like Starry Night by Van Gogh. And the ghosts are like, you're in terrible danger, girl. Molly, you in danger, girl. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, can you please tell us what one of the ghosts says, though? <laughs> Taint all bad, miss. Thou art alive. Thou art still living. I don't. I don't see why they kind of left her with that message because there wasn't really anything wrong. Like, why leave her with that? <laughs> Uh, yeah nothing happens after after they leave yeah they're just like bye and the hand's coming after her because she's got to ditch this key and the hand gets out from under the door it's coming she's going out to the well because she's like i'm gonna get job get rid of it here and thankfully her stalker yb rescues her because this key is grabbed by the hand 
there's a big huge scuffle you know the one final they always come back situation and uh she throws the key after they destroy the hand with a rock down into the well which as we know is almost 400 feet deep thanks science and I just want to say, she tells YB, like, hey, tell your grandma to come over tomorrow. I'll explain it. Like, we'll explain everything together. And um, if it's the next day, how does, like, everything planted and grown? Because this seems like it's months later. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it either. Maybe they went out and bought a bunch of, like, really already done plants and are replanting. Maybe. We get another really nice moment with her mom, though, where she's like, you're right, Coraline, I do really hate dirt, but the tulips look nice. Miss being enforced below there, and she's giving out lemonade, and she's like, oh, look, April, pink ladies. Uh, Bobinski is like, they tell me you are a savior, Coraline, from the mice, because they're still talking to him. And the grandma comes, and she gets to tell her about her dead sister, because I'm sure that will make her happy. And the movie ends, and it's beautiful and fucked up. How do you feel about the ending, both of you? <laughs> Either Sean, go go for it. Uh, Sean or other Sean, and like this movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, I like it. I like the way this kind of, kind of an uncertainty to it, like the Ari Aster movies, where you have like a tragic ending that could be interpreted as a happy ending, and you're just like really uncomfortable and don't know how to feel. Speaking of Ari Aster, how did you feel about Bo is Afraid? Oh, I really because liked I it. Because I certainly don't. Really? Are you kidding me? A lot of people don't, but uh, I like the, the metaphor. I wanted to like it. I might watch it again, but it was just one of those, like, it finished. And I think it's the only movie on Letterboxd that I'm like, I don't fucking know what to rate this. And I think yeah. I just slapped it with, like, a three and a half or something. But I'm like, I don't know. It's amazing. It's awful. I have no idea. It was just inexperience i like how you're not sure how far back the metaphor goes or how deep it goes it's like is the is the entire thing like in his mind did he ever leave the apartment that, that kind of what perspective are we seeing yeah. with this and i think it's just because i already feel so anxious about everything all the time it's yeah like, i already know what this is like i don't want to sit here for three hours and think about this in extreme detail <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh, sean not my sean Other you sean, sean. yeah Yes. <laughs> You're the other Sean, the better Sean. Do you also have buttons for your oh. eyes? But, um, <laughs> Thanks. I'm going with the theme, Sean. Just roll with it. What would you rate this if you're hopping on Letterboxd? I'm just like, really weird about reviews. If I like something, I'm just like five stars. Or if I don't like something, I'll be like, oh, they tried their best. And you know, give it like a three yes. or something. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll just give this a five. I also give this a five, but I do think it legitimately deserves it. But I also will just be like, I love it. Five stars. Yeah, it's hard to rate things unless you're like comparing them. You know, like I compare this to like yeah. another, I don't know, uh, like a, what what are they? A stop motion uh, movie. Like, you know, like do do I Night prefer the Night Before Christmas. Christmas? Like I prefer the Night Before Christmas. So maybe then this will get a four. But kind of like as it stands on its own, I would give it a five. Mm, I'm a little bit reversed. I think. I think the story for Night Before Christmas is so slight. I think that's what kind of knocks it down. Like I just have like a childhood nostalgia loyalty to it. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid, so that's like an adult thing for me. So, uh, but yeah, I also had, agree. If I had nostalgia attached to that, it would be like out of five stars, it gets a seven. You, you don't realize yeah. it's a musical weirdly until you're an adult. For some reason, when you see a musical as a kid, you don't kind of acknowledge it as a musical. 
because it, it felt like everything had like, so many songs in it, all the Disney films. Yeah. I wish cartoons still had songs in them. They hardly do anymore. I'm yeah, glad the Pixar. it's starting to come back a little bit. Yeah, kind of Frozen brought back the, the big hits with Let It Go. Yeah. yeah. For the first time in forever, Disney let them sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Tangled had songs. It didn't have as many songs, but it did have songs. Um, and then even the Princess and the Frog had songs. They've always had songs. It's just the songs are becoming popular again, I think. They have good songs again. Okay, let's let's go with that. Sean, my Sean, where are you landing on the Coraline final thoughts and Letterboxd rating? Oh, um, I mean, like I said, I enjoy this film. It's not my favorite, like, a film. Um, I enjoy I'm still, it. like, blown away that this was your second time watching it. I knew it wasn't, like, a favorite of yours, but I thought you'd seen it, like, multiple times. No, this was only my second time seeing it. Um, I wish I would have gotten a third because I liked it. I did like it more on my second go. So maybe on the third one, I'll like it more, but it's a 4.5 for me. Um, I won't give it a five because like I said, I do, um, it just doesn't feel like a favorite of mine, but I recognize its craft. I think it's really well done. Um, the voice acting's really good, especially Terry Hatcher. She really does. I think you were right when you said it's a career best performance from her. And I really like um, Terry Hatcher, so yeah. It's not so like a and I like her. <laughs> no, but I, it's just it is a very, it's it's both it 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 plays both lines very well. It's very subtly sinister, but also warm and loving. And I think she does walks that line so fast, so fascinatingly. Um, yeah. So for me, this is a four point five out of five. And uh, like we said, I'm a five, so we got two fives and a four and a half. So. This one's good. I'm the I'm the rough judge at this Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> the reviewer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cantankerous one that gives uh poor poor Tanya Harding a, a nine instead of a ten. On a budget, this was sixty million dollars and made a hundred and thirty two million, so it's not like Oh, this made 10 times its budget, but I think it's pretty respectable for a film like this to make $132 million. It doubled its budget. Yeah. On Letterboxd, however, this one's crazy. On Letterboxd, this has a 4.1. That doesn't surprise me. A lot of people really love Coraline. Like, and I know I'm part of the minority where it's not, like, my favorite like a film. For most people, I think it is their favorite like a film. Or, or one of their favorite animated films in general it just like i said i don't have as much experience with it so like whereas you have you almost have some form of nostalgia for it because it's also a movie you've seen since it came out clayton yeah this is how i feel about the nightmare before christmas so like you're like kind of like oh i've always liked Coraline. it's all you know while you didn't grow up with it it is something yeah. that you've had it was like grow it was 2009 with you. i graduated I know. high school 3 years after <laughs> 3 years before this came out i know but like you've had time to grow with it and learn yeah. and like that's how i feel about the nightmare before christmas so i agree with Sean for me it's the nightmare before christmas every time but like this is really good and i think it i, I think it'll grow more in my my esteem the more i watch it but it's just like i said it was never top of my priority list i just love seeing something on letterbox that has above a four stars because it's just like oh fuck this must be a masterpiece (laughs) 
in a lot of ways, Coraline is considered a masterpiece. And I could see why. I think it's a really well done... It's really a fantastic work of art. And it is that. It's just... It, it's both in its story and its and its characterizations. In just the art itself. I think all the elements of this one really do come together. And I think it's a brilliant film. It would might go up to a 5 in a later watch. But for me, for now, I'm going 4.5. Very respectable. So, Sean, other Sean, where can people find you on the socials to see all of your dark, twisted, and hilarious ideas on things? And do you have anything you want to plug? You've written uh, written something, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, my Twitter handle is at Sean J.E. Travers, and my pinned tweet is my book. Oh, sweet. Uh, Sorry, that was so much shorter than... <laughs> you on there? Um, I, I'm going to join Letterbox someday. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I always should. plan on doing I really want to. I mean, it's, it sounds like the, the perfect thing. And I, I would add like a review after every film that I've watched. Definitely sounds like something that I should do and will do. What is your book that you've written about? Oh, it's about trauma in popular culture. Coraline should have been in it, but um, it's not. Um, but yeah, looking at the, how trauma is represented in movies, video games, TV shows. One book, House of Leaves. Um, and comparing that to how trauma is usually represented in more can- canonical texts. Hell yeah, that sounds amazing. I should read that. I love talking about trauma in horror and movies and video games. That's something I love, even though I'm sick of the trend, like I said. And it really is everywhere. <laughs> like it's it kind of morphing into grief. in a thoughtful yeah. way. So it's like if you're tired of trauma, I think that you're kind of made to go into grief and naturalism. I think that's the next thing that they're going to do. Yeah. Good. I love watching like that, especially if you're watching a bunch of stuff like from a time period and you move on and you can just kind of see like the evolution of horror and everything and just movies in general. Yeah. It's uh, fun to see how it like responds and reacts to each other. Yeah. Like I've read on Bloody Disgusting that there was like 9 11 horror, which was like the kind of torture horror and shock value. Mm-hmm. And then now we're in the grief. So it's, they're thinking, oh, we're going to do the seven stages of grief in American pop culture. So that'll be interesting to see play out. Oh god, all seven stages. <laughs> do we just relive? <laughs> when we're finished, do we just start over? Oh boy. <laughs> Fun. Uh, if you want to find us on the socials, we're not nearly as entertaining as Sean because she's just really witty and No, you guys have a podcast and like do fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah, if you listen to our podcast, that's fun. But just as like, as far as what we tweet and everything, you know, try our best. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you do my best stuff on here. I think. <laughs> but if you do want to find us, our podcast is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky. Uh, our handle on all of the Facebook, which just has the, you know, men who like men who like movies. Also, if you just search that, that you'll find you'll find what we are. And uh, if you want to find me and Sean, Sean and I are you didn't on... actually give them the triple M pod. I know. I was just like, oh, they could search it. But it's triple M pod with three M's. <laughs> there. Like... There you go. Uh, Sean and I are on Twitter, Letterboxd, and um, Blue Sky at... I'm at Just Happy to See You, number two, letter C, letter U. And Sean, you are on those at... I'm Murph the Smurf, M-U-R-P-H-T-H-E-S-M-U-R-P-H. And if you want to email us something being like, hey, your opinion sucked, or we really liked what you said, or I have this thought that I think about a movie, or if you want to suggest something, or just you want to say hey, 
Our email is men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com. And that is where you can reach us. Alrighty. So Clayton, I know we've had a little bit of a weird schedule. Um, so next week we are kind of dipping back out of spooky territory. Yes. Unless you count the murder, <laughs> unless you count the murder. Um, <laughs> uh, what are we watching next week? So next week we're watching the first movie I ever saw on the big screen. Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. And I'm so excited. We'll be covering that with queer quadrant. So look out for that. And please don't forget to give us a rate or a review. If you have a couple seconds, it helps podcasts so much and helps us get discovered. Don't forget to be kind to people out there. The world sucks, costs nothing. And if you really want to be nice, uh, there's a little link in our show notes. You could give us like a dollar a month or something. Uh, we put a lot into this. It's a lot of work. Every single bit will go into the podcast and uh, Patreon should be coming soon. Working on that. Uh, by the time this comes out, there will be an episode. If you want to listen to us talk with a, a different Sean on the review it yourself podcast for his two year anniversary episode, talking about Batman and Robin, you can listen to that. And a couple days after this comes out, you can listen to me on the drafty quarters podcast talking about the killing of a sacred deer. So that'll be fun. And Sean, thank you so much again for coming. I've been so excited to talk to you about this, and I love Coraline so much, and I just love that you've made time to come talk with us. Well, thank you for the invite. This is such a fun show, and I'm really glad to be a part of that. Yes, it was awesome having you. And until next time, everyone, bye. 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 <laughs>